Hey, boys and girls, it's time for the Robert Scott Bell Show. I, I feel like I've been out of town for a week or a month or a year straight, even though we had uh, Jonathan Emord in town as well as uh, the events we did. Uh, it was like, wow. And I'm just like, here I am. Super Don, just point me in the right direction. We've got a great show lined up for hour one. We have first-time guest uh, uh, Lee, uh, uh, was it the last name, Bortens? I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, Lee Bortens. And she's got classical conversations, a lot of cool stuff. And I was talking with her about, we do Sunday conversations. She does classical ones. We'll find out about that. But I think it's really cool stuff that she's doing. And we'll learn about that. Also, um, you know, Instagram and things like social media, how much of it is real versus all paid for and phony? In particular, when it targets your children to have them eat what? What? Yeah, we'll get to that. These people are not nutritionists. They're 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 criminals, what they're trying to focus to do for children to do. And in hour two, we have scheduled our buddy, our pal, Ty Bollinger from Truth About Cancer and all the other stuff coming back on. And we're going to talk about that uh, eyewitness uh, Secret Service agent at the time of the JFK assassination. A little bit more information coming out, among other things. So if you'd like to be part of the show, the homeopathic hit I missed yesterday, I'm going to do today. It's just I had the remote. But anyway, here we are. The Robert Scott Bell Show is on. Go to robertscottbell.com. Sign up for the email. It's the newsletter, whatever. Super Don says it is. And let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, let's do a show, shall we? The Robert Scott Bell Show's on. It's uh, middle of the week. How did we get here? How did I get here? I'm not actually sure, but I'm glad I'm here. And uh, I'm glad to have you all with us. It's been quite a whirlwind uh, the past week and, and at the Las Vegas event. Um, meeting a lot of new folks and catching up with some some old friends and fans of the show. Thank you all for participating there. And also a uh, big shout out to Jared St. Clair and Vitality Nutrition for hosting the broadcast yesterday. Uh, we only had a couple of minor glitches with my uh, interface equipment, which I've now gotten repaired for the next time I do a remote. But also thank you for everybody that uh, came out and supported Jonathan E. Mord and has run for the United States Senate. He's on to San Diego, going to be doing an event with Turning Point USA down there. And uh, we'll get up more updates as far as uh, as far as that goes as well. But I feel like, I have, I have I neglected something? Have I forgotten something? It's like one of those things. I'm sure none of you have ever felt that, like you've been so busy that you're like, I know there's probably a list of a thousand things that I probably haven't gotten to that are sitting there waiting for me. I know Super Don never Did you leave the like iron that. on? I don't know. I can't remember. What? Yeah. Did, you, yeah did, did I leave the iron on? I, I didn't know. leave the iron on. I'm pretty oh, sure okay. about that at least. You know, <laughs> I can find some things I'm sure about. That's one of them. Uh, but wow, dude. I, you know, we've been doing this for a lot of years and I've done a lot of trips. And and normally when I come back from a trip, I'm like, okay, I'm back into the groove. But I, I hit the ground running with the Emord events. And we did the three-hour uh, telethon. By the way, thank you, everybody for supporting that and uh thank you to mike adams again and brody on and all of that that was uh, quite a success a i think what's yeah. that i said that wasn't that was a success i well yeah i think so i mean it was uh you know we're pulling the proverbial rabbit out of the hat 
and you did great lining these guests up and testing them, everybody. And I just, I, I'm just shaking my head. Cause I, I really didn't have time since then to sit down. Sometimes you want to look back and go, what just happened? <laughs> let, let, and you and I haven't even hardly had a t- chance to talk about it. Right. Uh, so if anybody's feeling like you've been going through a lot recently, I don't know if it's just me cause it could be just me. Uh, but I'm already gearing up for next weekend, uh, for the, uh, Houston event, uh, with healing strong, their 10 year anniversary. I'll be doing a really cool workshop on natural healing, uh, with all of those folks that have succeeded in overcoming cancer and want to stay strong and healthy. And I'm just honored to be able to be there with Susie Griswold and the, and the team there in Houston coming up and, um, you know, just being here every day, like yesterday was so frantic. We couldn't even get to the homeopathic hit of the day. It's all right. We just ran out of time. It's just as good today as it would have been yesterday. Okay. Yes. And, and especially, uh, if anybody held off on getting stung by, you know what we're going to talk about. That's your hint for the remedy of the day. That was also the remedy yesterday. So stand by for that. Now, this opening story you have uh, here, Super D, uh, from the Defender, it's it's fascinating when you bring, or anybody's discussing this again, aspartame. Every time I see the word aspartame, I don't see it as much anymore. Also, it was known as NutraSweet. I called it NutraPoison. Uh, they, they changed the name to AminoSweet some time ago to kind of make uh, you know the bad press go away. But this is a synthetic artificial sweetener that came out, well, was put out by G.D. Searle, I think in the in the 70s or the 80s. But it was, uh, every time I say this, Brian, you know who I'm thinking about. I know, and I'm prepared for you today. It was yeah, Donald I Rumsfeld. I call it Donald Rumsfeld. I always call yes. him Lizard Guy because he just <laughs> reminded me of one of the lizard people from V. Uh, not V for Vendetta, but I think there was a television series of like the uh, aliens invaded. They were all lizard people. Anyway, yeah. but he reminds me of that Rumsfeld. And he was uh, had the ear of, I believe, Reagan at the time and uh, for other things. But uh, they got this aspartame approved as a sweetener, even though it was on a, a semi-short list of potential biological chemical warfare agents at the Pentagon. This is this is the stunning history for, for those of you that don't know, and maybe you still know somebody that uses NutraSweet, a.k.a. aspartame. And, you know, you think that we were long past that. You know, people are utilizing more organic, whole natural sugars or uh, whole organic, unprocessed, unfiltered honey, different things like that. Or for those of you that still use Stevia, I have for years. I know there's even people going around and talking about the controversies about stevia uh, relative to, uh, I think, uh, refined sugar and or aspartame. Uh, I'm not as concerned about that, but I am concerned about kids and aspartame, these artificial sweeteners. Um, this this IG, I, I mentioned the Instagram and other uh, social media things. A lot of this is artificial. I guess it's not a big surprise to many of you, but most of what happens on these uh, social media things is not real people sharing real stuff. And I know there are you guys and gals. We we share you know stories and events and Super Don post pictures sometimes from the family. I and mean, these are real organic events. There's nothing synthetic about that. But apparently, lobbyists were paying influencer nutritionists to promote toxic poison for kids on social media. Registered dietitians, who I've called the lapdogs of the pharmaceutical industry, a.k.a. the doctors, uh, the dietitians, man, they would promote artificial sweeteners. They promote uh, Ensure, which is, uh, uh, you know, milk solids and corn syrup and all kinds of nasty things from factory farmed animals. Just, it's astonishing, astonishing how much we've been marketed into believing synthetic chemicals are food and safe for ingestion. 
So this is a Washington Post article that found this, that uh, they're promoting aspartame for children. And there's a pediatrician by the name of Dr. Michelle Perro who's referenced here in this uh, scenario. Now, here's the here's the question about, um, you know, raising children today. You know, when Super Don and I were growing up as Gen Xers, we, I think, you know, the biggest thing electronic I remember was when, you remember the little Mattel football game came out with just the little red dots? I had one. You had one, well, yeah. And I did. So, I loved so that, that was the great danger. We were all going to get lost in a little red dotted football game, you know, <laughs> and making, making these beeping noises. Electronic but, quarterback. Yeah. That's Is that what, what it was. called? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I do remember that, but it was really the the era of pong, you know, move, move, move things up and down. So we were transitioning into oh, there could be some fun stuff happening in the electronic world to the where the kids today are growing up on these iPads and iPhones and all that. And then the question is, what are they exposed to? When you had more control over their media, you kind of knew and you could talk about things. But now, I didn't know this was. I mean, I guess I should have, but. They're paying lobbyists to to trick kids to get on toxic poisons. I guess well, that's what advertisers have been doing on TV for for decades. I guess here's 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 the key points of of this this article here. The, mm -hmm. Apparently, the American Beverage Association they paid registered dietitians and health influencers to promote aspartame and sugar on social media platforms like Instagram and TikTok, like you were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason why they did this was because just recently, if you recall, the World Health Organization, who we don't agree with on a lot of things. A lot of things, yeah. But they just recently came out and assessed aspartame as a possible carcinogenic. Mm -hmm. Right. So I the American that. Beverage Association, now, I mean, I mean, what what sodas out there aren't using aspartame, right? I mean, it's, yeah. just, it's everywhere. Yeah. So they kind of freaked out, and they're like, well, how do we, like, counter this situation that's going on with the World mm -hmm. Health Organization? So – yeah. They they ended up apparently paying these 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 influencers, these health influencers on social media to market this stuff to the kids because they obviously didn't want to lose money, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out that these dietitians didn't disclose their financial relationships to the industry. Oh my. Is that uh, unusual? I mean well, not not so much. How not many so of much. our Congress critters are wearing those NASCAR patches for all their, you know, supporters, right? Right. right. Telling you why that they, they are promoting what they're promoting even though it violates the constitution. Right. Um, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I shouldn't be surprised. Again, we grew up in the era of advertising. Remember all the, the sugary cereals we were promoted, you know, and then they put on these splashy pictures of the frosted lucky charms. And so, you know, we were asking mom and dad, can we have that back when cereal, I think, even though it wasn't really good for you, was at least somewhat affordable. Now I think these boxes of sugary colored cereals are maybe being, Maybe pricing people out. I hope they are because that's not food. So for them to promote this uh, kind of thing to kids, I guess, you know, my thought here is about talking to your kids. And I think that our guest this hour is going to have something to say about that, Lee Bordas, because um, I've talked about the need to deprogram your children every day they come home from school, particularly public schools, a.k.a. government indoctrination centers. But unfortunately, even many, maybe most of the private schools have also adopted, you know, an anti-freedom, anti-individual liberty stance and, and um, you know, are, are teaching these kids just bizarre things that you, we, we might not have even known about half of it or a quarter of it if it weren't for the COVID lockdown scenario and all of the Zoom classes that parents started watching and going, you're teaching my kids what? I mean, many parents just assumed that the kids were going for reading, writing, and arithmetic. 
you remember those three. And then you find out they were being programmed into gender confusion and dysphoria and, and all kinds of things. I mean, taking kids and destroying their innocence, you know, without any, con you know, discussion with parents about, you know, what is it that you feel good about letting us teach your kids outside of the basics, right? And so we see that with social media, uh, if everybody's on it, I would say, please, parents, engage with your kids to talk about these things openly. And I know this is just this primary first story is about diet, but here's the concern I have, too, that most parents of these kids may not know about the dangers of these toxic chemicals being promoted as safer alternatives than sugar, for instance, like aspartame. And I remember back in the 1990s in my early homeopathic years, learning about, I was still, you know, young and coming out of, uh, you know, my hypnosis, learning about things, very excited about what I was learning. Uh, I encountered a woman, uh, Betty Martini from Mission Possible, rest her soul, I think she passed recently. Uh, and she uh, was an advocate, uh, you know, her, she was bearing the torch on warning people against this dangerous new food additive, AKA sweetener. Um, and, I appeared in two documentary films that she put together, Sweet uh, Misery and Sweet Remedy, all about this aspartame story. And I remember this is before I had a show. I think at one point I remember, uh, and I've told this story about appearing on syndicated radio in 1994 in Atlanta on WSB. Uh, it was a one-hour interview schedule. went four hours. I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. Maybe one day I can do this. And then five years later started a show. But it was before all that, but I appeared you know, as, as one of the interviewees, if you will, of that documentary and that guy, Joseph Mercola, remember him, Mercola, he's still around, but he's attacked viciously as well. Uh, he, he was in it as well. I think that's where he, we first sort of connected and he spotlighted, he said, Oh, this guy might know some stuff. Of course I was coming at it from a homeopathic perspective and very few people were, and even today are. And so, um, I just remember that lineage coming back through aspartame played a huge role in, in my activism in terms of communication and remediation before I even started the show. And I became known on the circuit as I was speaking because of that documentary film. So uh, I find this is interesting story coming out all these years later, decades, in fact, later that this sweetener is still even on the market, much less being promoted to children. So, uh, as I said, parents, in this audience, you know about this stuff, but you may know parents that don't. So they'd be thinking, well, what's the big deal of promoting this to my kids? Well, they're, they're probably drinking diet sodas and soft drinks. And there are so many people that still do my gosh, in the area I'm in, you know, even the people that go to the, the, the kickboxing gym, they do Botox and they drink all these soft drink sodas. I'm like, dude, I mean, I'm trying <laughs> really, I'm trying. Uh, I need to have some more conversations with them, I guess. So links are up in the show notes today, as they always are at robertscottbell.com. Two hours a day, five days a week with an additional one hour Sunday conversation. Please say thanks to those that support this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty, including my friend, Dr. James Lyons-Weiler from ipac-edu.org. IPAC is a great institution for learning. For those of you who want to better yourself, it's very inexpensive, very reasonable to learn about the topics you may have a keen interest in or realize you didn't learn it well enough or at all back in the day, all the way up through doctorate level programs, um, they're teaching. And God bless you, Dr. James Lyons-Wilder. I appreciate you so much for your commitment. And he's he's uh, been featured on a lot of uh, uh, shows over the years as well and uh, immense respect 
for that organization. And I hope that you'll take part in some of the learning that's available to you there, ipac-edu.org. Also, uh, we've got the Houston event coming up. It's sold out. So if, if you got your tickets, I'll see you there. If not, again, Healing Strong, try to get to it next time. But I'll be in Houston coming up the next weekend. And we've got a number of other events I'll be announcing a little later. There's also the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com. And just click on any of the banners if you're not sure uh, what you uh, you know might want to consider utilizing. Because all of those things up there we use personally and I endorse. Unless they're female-specific products, I probably don't use them. But my wife probably does. So uh, we'll, we'll share with the, you those things that we believe and I believe and I know are really important for our health and healing. So uh, our guest this hour, Lee Bortons, and she's got uh, L-E-I-G-H-B-O-R-T-I-N-S.com. She has her own personal website, which is pretty comprehensive, uh, does a lot in the realm of education, uh, book clubs, discussions. And she has another website called classicalconversations.com, classicalconversations.com. And I think this this aligns with what I was trying to get at with parents. You've got to interact. If you send your kids to any school, I don't care, even private school, you don't know exactly what they're teaching. You think you do. Unless you're there, you might not know that they're, well, almost every school has gone a little bit or a lot bit woke and not in a good way. And so I would encourage you to to talk to your kids every day because I've I've heard too many sad stories of parents that are good people, good parents, but did not realize how intense the programming was that was occurring in these schools and they lost their kids. And I don't mean uh, to life and death, although that can happen, but just they become so distant and distinctly different from, you know, the love and care that you shared. They become collectivist Marxist communist. I'm not, I'm not kidding. This is what is happening in these school systems in order to counteract that. If you have to, for whatever reason, economic or otherwise, send your kids to these schools, please talk with them. Maybe you'll want to engage in things like the the uh, classical conversations we're going to talk about and find out about right now with Lee Bortons. Welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show, Lee. Thanks for having me on, Robert. Glad to have you here. I was talking about the fact that we've we evolved our Sunday show into Sunday conversations mm-hmm. because it's just a nice opportunity to talk about, uh, well, deeper meaning. You know, why do you believe what you believe? What brought you to those systems of, of belief? And, you know, what are your spiritual beliefs? All of that. And for me, that's fun. And I think we are better for hearing people's stories about how they got where they are. Talk to me about what your classical conversations are about or in that in that vein of going deeper with people on subjects that you don't normally get to. Yeah, thanks for letting me talk about probably my favorite thing in the world, which is just lifelong learning. And that includes not just what's happening now and looking forward, but you you can't study the future. It hasn't happened. And as soon as you try to study the present, it's gone. But the classics, the things, the original source documents, our founding documents, uh, the histories of people and cultures, those are things we can look back and say, yep, that was a fact and that's an interpretation and that is an interesting conversation to have. And so what we do in our homeschooling curriculum is help parents with their children read what we call original source documents, not uh, you know edited textbooks that are some modernist opinion on a various subject, but going back to the people who are part of the great classical conversations of history and helping our children learn how to enter into those conversations. And so we do that by meeting one day a week for half the year, mostly at churches. We're in 2,700 churches across the United States and families meet together for about six hours a day 
to work on homeschooling as classical Christians, which is new to us. I mean, even though it's been around for about 40 years now, most families are just entering into this model. And so we work together one day a week and then go home and work on our assignments with our children and then come back the next week. And so both the parents and the children are learning together. And so it's pretty successful. We've been at it since 97. And we started off with 11 students in my um, basement and uh, four other moms helping me. And now we have 50,000 families and over 120,000 children just enrolled in the United States. And if you consolidated us, we would be the 20th largest school district in the United States. So we're fairly wow. um, influential and everyone's taking notice of what we were doing. And so I'm pretty proud of the 15,000 uh, licensees, directors, tutors, contractors we have across the United States who are there to answer questions about homeschooling, specifically from a Christian classical perspective. You're not alone. Homeschool with a friend is one of our mottos because we have lots of friends ready to help. Yeah, there, there is a, a number of uh, great curriculi, if I made that word up, available. Um, and, you know, I just, uh, one of the folks that came to our uh, event for my friend, Jonathan Emord, is running for the U.S. Senate in Virginia. Uh, their daughter just started the Ron Paul homeschool curriculum, again, mm -hmm. really rooted in what we call real history of America and its foundation and teaching these kids that their rights come from God, not government. I mean, these are simple, but so, so often overlooked. And uh, I think about these conversations that you're probably having. Uh, I wonder when people first encounter them, is it, is it kind of awkward? Is it a lost art to have a conversation now? about these things? I mean, you've been at it for a while, but are new people coming on going, oh, this is interesting and new, but I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, it's a different model. People are used to the modern model, which is to memorize, take a test and move on instead of actually integrating subjects and understanding how to think. And we, you know, teach the classical arts. While you were doing your introduction, I was thinking about how many intersections we have besides your Sunday conversations and my classical conversations. For example, one of the questions we talk about in our challenge program, which is the name of the, of the program our older students participate in, is I may ask them something like, how is universal education any different than universal health care? Are we healthier? Are we smarter because of those two? No, instead we've, and then you know, go on and ask some questions about, haven't we instead just had the development of the educational industrial complex and the medical industrial complex, as well as the climate industrial complex and the military industrial complex. And we talk about what that means when people have the government funding things rather than yourself. Because mm -hmm. what happens is information gets hidden. And that's why parents don't know about aspartame. And that's why parents don't know about Thomas Jefferson and the Declaration of Independence anymore. Right. It's uh, government money always hides information and manipulates the free market and freedom is always decreased when uh, when um, money is from someone else. And I'm doing my best to fight and to have conversations with people against this battle against universal basic income, which is mm -hmm. on the horizon. Yeah, well, it's a form of slavery, folks. Socialism is collectivism. Collectivism is antithetical to a belief in God and your individual liberty that comes from what? God or creator. Uh, I think about the the many churches out there and synagogues, mosques, temples, whatever, uh, how they have abandoned some of these principles and now uh, have adopted a lot of this government indoctrination. And, and think about what happened in COVID when churches actually listened to the government and shut down. 
I mean, that, that seems to be like base number one in terms of America, First Amendment, uh, which, again, is not a, a something that the government grants us, right, of freedom of speech and religion, but recognizes that it preexists even government and shall not be abridged or fringed, infringed upon at all. And yet so many just rolled over and said, yep, we're going to be good people, good steward, good church leaders, and we're going to shut our worshiping down. Yeah, I mean, to me, it has parallels with back in the 1920s when we established universal basic education and the government was funding that around that same time as uh, when the um, 16th Amendment was written and there was these tax laws and the only way that were for the first time, the tax amendment, and the only way they could get churches to agree is they churches, they said, you can have a write-off. And so they started that nonprofit status. And ever since then, the you know, there's not a church in the United States that um, files for nonprofit that isn't getting a tax deduction from the government. So one more manipulation and scheme and a lot of people shut down and during COVID because they were afraid that their property taxes, which is that shekel that shackled them to local government, yeah. the right was going to be taken away from them if they didn't obey the COVID rules. And so nobody talks about that, that the pastors could have been, you know, a third of churches stayed strong and those pastors are fearless. But the other two thirds were more worried about what the government thought about them. So they closed down the hospital for the soul and wonder why people got mentally ill. Yeah. And yet they kept the hospital for the body open which isn't even very good. And we can look at all the deaths that occurred because of bad information. Because when someone else pays your bills, there's no reason to tell the truth. You're just happy you don't have to pay it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Good Lord. I just think about how, how much people of faith have been led astray. Uh, by these uh, conveniences and also, you know, this concept of social engineering through the tax code, you, you you beautifully referenced the changes that happened in the early 20th century when we were given things, right? Free education, free this. And it's like, hasn't your mama ever told you there ain't no such thing as a free lunch? I mean, where did that get lost somewhere in our like tribal knowledge from mom and dad and grandma and grandpa on down to us to say, if they're promising you something for free, there are going to be strings attached that will alter your behavior or else you won't get the free stuff anymore. They have conditioned people of faith that government should supplant true, for instance, charity when it comes to caring for those who, who need help. And they've crowded out religious institutions and people of faith to give that because they steal more and more of their resources through taxation. So you have less and less to even give when you want to give. And even then, there are times where we've seen laws or regulations being made against feeding people who are hungry and homeless. Uh, yeah, so people will say like, okay, so how is the church hurt by that? They get that tax write-off. And the thing is, you're forgetting is the church is made up of congregants. And if over half of a congregation's salary is now going to taxes to pay for the 70% of people in the United States who are on um, some sort of government subsidy through employment or through welfare, mm -hmm. that their constituent, their congregation now has half the money they would have had in order to tithe and to make it so the church could do what the church is supposed to do. So it's just, it's this slowly degrading that is hidden by people because they're no good at doing what Rush Limbaugh said, which was follow the money. <laughs> and so, you know, you referred to a lot of different things that wouldn't, wouldn't be occurring. It would not be a problem if you just paid your own bills. 
Social engineering is a good way to refer to it. And now I have three grandchildren. And so I'm old enough to remember all through the Reagan years and afterwards, conservatives talking about the nanny state. And I've decided to rename it the Grammy state. I have grandkids. I'm going to give them money because I love them. But if they start whining for it or demanding it or expect it, if they don't learn that, if they learn that getting money from Grammy means that they don't have to go get an odd job and work and do their chores, I'm damaging them. Well, that's what's been going on for a hundred years, and they're trying to expand it, both the Republicans and the Democrats at this point. And so I just feel the need to speak up about it as much as I can. And I've put together a website called educationalindependence.net with um, hundreds of people who are on our side. It's really been neat to see how many of them are rallying against the totalitarianism that's occurring from um, uh, universal basic income and the training that we're all getting to accept it. This is so great. I, I'm looking at this page and it's up on the screen right now for those of you watching live. Declare your educational independence. Uh, this is a wonderful thing that you're doing. Uh, I just don't know how you do it all. You've got to have a great team behind you because, you know, it's, I was looking at all of this as, as we headed into the show today. And I'm thinking, I remind folks that they need to also take care of themselves. I just want to make sure you're not neglecting your own health and trying to do all this wonderful work. Well, thanks for being concerned about me. And, uh, you know, there's a couple approaches to that. One um, is to get enough sleep, which is something I've always done. But then to eat right and exercise, I can say I definitely need better. So I thanks for the encouragement, Robert. But yeah. there's also our spiritual health. And so being involved in the scriptures and in church life, family life, service life, those are all things that might make you tired, but it's a good tired. It's what makes it so that you can get up the next day and go again because you have a purpose in life. Well, yeah, nourishing that side of ourselves. And, you know, I, I, I am with you there. I just, you know, I've seen many friends over the years who have a deep commitment to these principles and ideals and, and particularly also in helping people to get well, to heal really. And yet, I've watched them over the years decline in health because they put everybody else before them and they didn't take care of those things, even though they even nourished themselves spiritually. And, and I think that we somewhere along the lines thought that that's all we would need to do. And we wouldn't need to take care of the temple that we live in while we're here, the gift of life that uh, the body we're in. And so that's become an increasingly important part of my message to everybody. And it's always a reminder of myself too, but that we have, a desire many of us to do good things and we align with a purpose and a mission and then we neglect ourselves and then we wonder why can't i serve you god the way i want to serve? well you're not taking care of yourself so again i just lay that out i'm not pointing any fingers i'm just putting it out there because it's on my mind a lot lately yeah no it's good advice and uh, especially as again our you know our older years it's a little bit easier to um get tired and to you know just just to feel like you're old because you are old. And so it's more important to take care of ourselves even now. So I appreciate the concern you have. I also think it's really important what you're doing about speaking out against sugar. So I've been trying to be sugar-free for the last two years. It's hard to do because it's in front of you all the time, but I've managed to go for nine months without a bit of sugar inside of me, no carbs, that kind of thing. So that's fantastic. we're all trying. Yeah. Well, and, and the thing is, and, and, and of course, you got a, a wheelhouse topic that we open with today. And um, I can I look at people of faith and I talk to them all the time. I'll go into church groups, different groups. And 
and I see what they're eating at their events. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, you, you're trying to nourish the spirit, but you're neglecting that that yeah. temple. And, and it's just, it's a, it's a big blind spot. And I think it goes to what we've been talking about as well. And what you're doing with the conversation is like trying to bring all of that back into the mix where when we, we, uh, outsourced it to government, all of these things, this all got corrupted. And we, we kind of like, well, the food doesn't matter. It does. It's essential. Uh, going back and, you know, back in, in the Hebrew scriptures and they talked about kashrut and things. I, I personally wish they would update those things for what we're dealing with that they weren't dealing with then in terms of genetic engineering and, uh, you know, toxicological burdens that they add to the things, artificial things. But that's me not trying to be sacrilegious, just trying to be, all right, wouldn't we want to update and modify based on the environment we're in? Not to abandon principle, but to really bring them back in to, into our unique time frame, so to speak. Yeah. Well, you know, the whole agricultural um, industrial complex exists because of the FDA and all the tax funded, um, uh, you know, if your farm's going under, there's money available for you. And I know I'm generalizing. It's not as easy as that. But between big ag and big farm, they're drowning out the small guys who are able to actually produce healthy food for us. But there's a lot of hope. And I know some people like you've made this happen. All my friends now have like I have 28 chickens. We all have oh, chickens man. in our backyards, right? We're all, we're all buying a cow or two. We're getting yeah. some goats. We're going to be able to take care of ourselves. I, I think so, that we've strayed so far that now there is a, a reversal happening. I agree. A lot of people are, are growing food again. I, I, this is part of my journey, even on this show now for 24 years, where I wasn't doing a lot of these things because I was, you know, city slicker grown, you know, chemically and all that. And even though as I embraced natural medicine and healing, there were certain, you know, I don't say blind spots, but just areas where I hadn't developed. And there were friends that would come along and other people I would interview that would encourage me as well to do those things. And I still got more to do, but I'm just thrilled even to hear what you're saying there, Lee, about, you know, more sustenance on that local and local level and even helping one another out because we're free to do so, not because we're told to from a top down scenario. It's like, well, of course, we're all better off when we do that. Um, the community is not communism, <laughs> not in the way I'm talking about it, but it's through free association and the recognition that given a, a left alone, we recognize that it's in our best interest to connect and support one another. Even if we have different beliefs about things, it's not uh, really healthy to live at a state of war just because we have disagreements on things. And again, the, this is where we have these third party players, the Hegelian dialectic, the Marxist approach to divide people on the minutiae that really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things. And then we go, oh, we must hate that. Or now even worse, cancel people we disagree with. We can't engage. This is, again, the conversation side of this, which I'm so excited that you're doing. It's about bringing people in and recognizing we all have different perspectives and experiences here, too. And that's okay. We're better from learning from each other about that through conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely right. You know, one of the or a number of reasons why uh, school, private school feels expensive to people is because of that minutiae you're talking about. It's the um, hiring laws, the zoning laws, the curriculum laws, the accreditations. They add so much to the cost of education. Back when we were very well educated in this country, before the 1920s, we had a, over 90% proficient literacy rate, and that included backwards areas and slave populations. People in this country knew how to read. And now that it's been 100 plus years of public education, we're down to a 14% uh, proficient literacy rate. 
and it, we we need to have change occur but it's just like when my friends get together and we're going to slaughter chickens or we're going to get together and skin our rabbits we are violating so many fda rules we are violating so many zoning rules and once we get caught then you're afraid to do it again and that's the way that they work you're fine until somebody decides they're not happy with you and then they've got the laws on the books and the taxpayers got money and so they can do what they want at that point. So, you know, there's all this underground education going on where um, people have started micro schools and private schools where they're not registering. And that's fine. I applaud them for doing that. But as soon as that pastor's wife who's holding a school in her, uh, you know, inner city back side of the church violates a fire code, what's going to happen to her? And will she be strong enough for her team or her congregation rally around her and say, we'll pay the fines until we get through the court case? No. People just say, okay, I just won't do it anymore. It's yeah, I, I don't think it's time to roll over and not, you know, stand up for what's right. We would like to believe in the goodness of everyone. And I think we tend to uh, give people the benefit of the doubt unless they prove otherwise. But at the same time, we can't go out into the world in a naive way that, ends up causing harm to us and our loved ones and our friends and our family and our community. And I think that's something that's occurring now that they push so hard, so fast, so far with the COVID thing that people that just wanted to be left alone, let's be honest. I mean, I don't like meddling in other people's business. I know some people do, but most of us don't. And we're like, you know, you live the way you want to live as long as you don't violate my rights and don't mess with my kids. Uh, that has gone so far beyond the pale where they are today that People that would have normally just said, you know what, I'll just leave that alone are having to stand up and realize we cannot disengage or remain disengaged to that level. We have to engage and protect ourselves. And, you know, this is why my friend Jonathan E. Mord uh, decided to run for the U.S. Senate, having defeated the bad guys, I would call them in, in, the, in the oligarchy, FDA, et cetera. And he realized they didn't even follow the, the court edicts when they won. Again, he, when he won against them, he's like, I got to do more. And what that more is for each of us may be different. I see what that more is for you is these conversations that you're having having happen, and uh, uh, I'm grateful to learn of you. I, I can't imagine how it was so long to figure you out to go. Oh, there's Lee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was told you know, women take selfies with me all over the United States. I, tra I travel a week a month just to encourage homeschoolers, and I always say to them, "I'm the most photographed woman nobody knows of." And so that's been good because a long time ago, someone told me grassroots movements have to get to a certain size before the government can't take them over. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying so hard to do that, to just help individuals. And now, of course, we're, we're battling these ESAs and the vouchers. And this is how the government's figured out how to destroy my organization. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason that I'm speaking out, because fundamentally, it's an immoral country where the... Um, recipient of a benefit gets their money from the taxes and the service provider also gets their money from taxes. And that's why we have big pharma and the various industrial complexes I referred to before. Please leave us alone. Don't make us part of anything. Any, any good new government schemes you have, they will all backfire. And it's really hard to look at intelligent people and think, how do you not understand that when you ask the government to do more, you're going to decrease freedom. It never increases freedom, ever. Yeah. You're so right. You're so right. So important what you're doing. So how do people plug in if they're learning about this for the first time? We've got classicalconversations.com connected in the show notes. We also have educationalindependence.net. 
what shall people do to participate if they've also just learned about what you're doing? Yeah, so if you're one of my friends at a school or a micro school that's private, sign that declaration and tell other people to do so. We need all the signatures we can get so I can take it to our legislators that I work with and say, because they only hear about the people clamoring for money. They don't hear from the people who say, just leave me alone. Right. And then if you're interested in homeschooling, which I encourage anyone to explore, go to classicalconversations.com, click on our find a community button and uh, give us your email and somebody local to your area will get a hold of you and say, hey, I hear you're interested in homeschooling. Uh, we have some information meetings. We have some communities. And if that's, you know, we have some curriculum. Um, and if that's not interesting to you, I'm just really glad you're considering homeschooling, whether it's with classical conversations or not. But we think we have the best program out there. Well, Lee, God bless you. You're doing amazing things. And I'm just happy to connect and hear about it and share it with this audience. Maybe you guys gals would want to sign that education declaration, add to the list, double it, triple it, quadruple it, whatever. And also check out again, the classical conversations that are happening uh, at that website. So Lee, again, anytime you need to get the word out, just give me a holler. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to get to know you better. Yes. Thank you as well. Lee Bortons again, check out classicalconversations.com and educationalindependence.net. Uh, it's so refreshing, Super Don, to hear someone speak in, in the way she spoke, to recognize that every time you get a gift. It's like, how, how, have, the, we not, how have we not had her on the show uh, yet? In, I in don't know. How many like, years have we doing this? <laughs> I'm like, do I have to slap myself? Bad host, bad host. We're, you guys could finish each other's like, sentences there. Right? Yeah. She, she gets it. This group gets it. You do not want, I mean, that's the thing. Many of these organizations, they go, oh, how do we get some of that pie, that piece of that pie? How do we get some of the money, the grants, the this, that? Like, you don't want that. Right. That's the opposite of what you want. Once they get their, you know, tentacles in you through the gift that they give you through other people's money or through the devaluing of the money and through inflation, et cetera, again, you're contributing into the decline. Even if you say, well, I'm going to use that money for good. I know it's a tough one. It's an ugly one to have to discuss, but uh, I think we got to do it because that part of the equation in relationship to government is not getting better. And is you're not going to, oh, we'll put a good person in that'll manage that better. No, no. You want someone in that will go, that doesn't belong here. That <laughs> does not follow right. under the Constitution. And yep. let's bring freedom back to the people in America. Well, and this is another example of, of you know, we've talked about how all these mandates and these things and stuff that they were trying to, to do during mm -hmm. the pandemic, how that just completely backfired. Yeah. On, on what they were trying to accomplish. And, and I, I don't think there's ever been a time where there's been such a such a an, an interest in a and a surge mm -hmm. towards homeschooling as what we've seen in the last three years. Yeah, I, I was reading an article not that long ago where mm -hmm. school districts are are looking at the 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 roles and they're going, there's like like thirty percent of the children are just missing. We don't even know where they are. They never came mm -hmm. back to school. Mm -hmm. And then if you look at the other statistics when it comes to homeschooling. The 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 the, number, the rate of homeschooling has gone way up there and stuff like that. And people finally, they were just like, "Look, we're just going to teach our own kids. Screw this. You know, you're mm -hmm. not going to sit here and tell us that our kids can't go to school. You know, do this remote learning thing. I mean, the damage that was done over the pandemic on on uh, test scores and and education with these kids. Not to mention the, uh, the 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 mental illness and the depression and all that stuff that happened too. 
mm-hmm. a lot of parents have just said, we're just going to do this. We're going to, we're going to take over and we're going to do this right. So it's, it's great that, uh, people like, like Lee are, are doing this and leading the charge. Yeah. I'm just to, so impressed. So, so thrilled to hear that it's happening and glad to let everybody know that didn't know like me, like we, <laughs> yes. so, all right. Very cool. Uh, Hey, shout out to our friends at orange guard tour, um, at Portland. We've had them on before and, the delimiting based pest control is far superior to the synthetic carcinogenic neurotoxic uh, pest control agents. Uh, delimiting from the orange peel. It's that simple. I've utilized it in my greenhouse. I've utilized it in my kitchen, the bathrooms, wherever. Your house smells pretty. You can actually clean with it, but it'll uh, take out the little critters you don't want, the bugs, uh, you know, the, the flies, if you can get them, but uh, certainly the ants. Uh, and even fire ants, we've talked about how to de- address that as well. If you're in Florida, particularly in South Georgia, I remember those and probably even Texas and other areas. I'll be in Houston, so hopefully I won't run into any of them. But the orangeguard.com, you can get it from uh, your local Ace Hardware store and even Whole Foods if you if you go to those places. Uh, let them know about Orange Guard, orangeguard.com. You can order direct as well. I, and I appreciate people doing better about the things that, you know, they might do here better, here better. And it's like, wait a second, but I still have a pesticide. Oh my gosh, let's get something like Orange Guard in the house or around the house as well, much uh, safer to use. Uh, So we have uh, also uh, in the upcoming events tab at robertscottbell.com, we just got back from Vegas. We have the uh, Houston event with the Healing Strong, which is sold out. Thank you to everybody that's going to be there. Look forward to seeing you. Nutritional Frontiers has their event. They might have a few seats left October 6th, 7th, and 8th in Pittsburgh. Uh, we talked about that with uh, Jamie Dorley. And, of course, uh, Christine Glein was my Sunday conversation last Sunday. And I, I don't think we got the video yet and pictures yet of the tennis that I played. Super Don, did, did uh, Christine or anybody from right. Nutritional I, Frontiers I forgot that? about that. No, I haven't gotten anything. Okay, so maybe Phil will have access to that maybe because there was a lot of video taken. So uh, I did indeed get to play tennis with Christine. And she's great. And I was just, like, remembering how. And eventually I got to, we got some good volleys going on, but it was a great time in the, in the uh, Vegas sun. And uh, we'll have some images. In fact, afterwards, and can you bring back the camera? I don't know if I can see you or not. I see the upcoming events. We'll come back to that in a second. Oh, we're done but, with that. Uh, yeah, we'll come back to that in a moment. But yep. um, we also afterwards, and this is going to be fun. We're going to do some kind of giveaway. Maybe I think, I think what we should do is wait for um, their next appearance uh, in, in October, but maybe not. Uh, but, we signed the tennis balls. We had a can of three fresh and signed them. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's a lot of pictures and things. And we're going to be doing some kind of giveaway with Nutritional Frontiers. And I'm not sure how to do it yet, but we need to. I've just been so busy huh. since I got back. But it, it's just kind of cool. It's really kind of fun. So we'll see how we end up doing that. But I know that we're going to be giving away some awesome stuff at the next AMA, our Zoom AMA for our patron supporters. And Super Don's giving away things every day. The homeopathic hits for free. You get a PDF uh, yes. of every every day. I missed it yesterday, so we're going to redo the thing I didn't do yesterday, if that's possible, uh, coming up in just a moment as well uh, in this first hour. And then we have Ty Bollinger back, and he's not on maybe once a month nowadays. He's so busy, but uh, it's always fun to have him on, so we'll be talking about a lot of stuff with Ty next hour. Uh, but, uh, again, thank you, Christine, for uh, putting up with my the, the rank amateur tennis player that I am. Uh, but I'm going to get warmed up and do more. If anytime she's there, she says she'll bring me a racket because I don't even have one of those. I remember back in the day, Super Don, the rackets were made of wood. That's how old I am. Um. Yeah, that was normal. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> before they they ended up making them out of graphite or whatever it is that they well, do yeah, now. Well, yeah, carbon fiber, graphite, yeah. all these things. And by the way, I actually remember the, you had to have like a frame. You put it in and you use the butterfly screws. Yeah, to screw oh, them yeah, that's, they yeah that's super old school. So yeah. you wouldn't warp them. I mean, yeah. we're talking, what have we seen in our lifetime? It's right. a fraction of what my mom has seen at 89. But I remember Lord. back in my right? day, we'd have to get a Se- branch. Seems to stop. <laughs> and make our own tennis racket. Yeah. Go get that switch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. All right. So, also, uh, uh, we talked a bit about this with uh, Jared St. Clair. He and I are going to be speaking at the 8th Annual Your Health Freedom Symposium. And that's the uh, 7th of October. There may still be tickets left for that. That'll be in uh, West Jordan in Utah. Uh, that You just click on any of these links. And then we've got the granddaddy of them all, October 14th and 15th, the Health Freedom Expo, Trinity Health Freedom Expo. And uh, got Dr. Brian Artis going to be one of the featured keynotes at that event. If you missed him at the Healing for the Ages conference, Brian is a super, super cool dude. A funny guy. You will laugh as he presents. It's just so, but again, really invested in the science. You want to review it. He's going to be fun. We're going to have fun. And I've, uh, I've altered my talk for the Health Freedom Expo to do a talk I've never done before um, related to the concern that we have for the animal venom peptides. I'm going to hit the, you know, the homeopathic stuff hard and all those other things that we've been learning about the systems affected. So I'll be doing that. I'll, of course, I'll be moderating the panel on health freedom and, and other, other, other subjects. And Jonathan E. Mord will be there with me and so many of, of my awesome friends, you know who you are. Paul Baratero is going to be there speaking on hydrogen and more. And so that's the 14th and 15th of October. Then the uh, next weekend, Saturday, will be the 21st. Maybe you don't know about this yet. The Great Awakening. Great Northwest Awakening. Freedom and liberty are worth it. Hashtag we won't back down. It's an all-day event, including a concert from Ryan Weaver. And uh, dress casual, country western, patriotic, and it's. I got to fly into Portland, Oregon, and get over uh, the border to Washington, Southern Washington. If you go to Patriots United WA for Washington.com, Patriots United WA.com, you can learn about this event. And uh, Dr. Stella Emanuel will be there, uh, Dr. Brian Artis, and more. Uh, that's going to be a fun one. That's, uh, again, a day long event, uh, Saturday, October 21st. Then we have the uh, Wellness Parenting Revolution with Drs. Terry and Stu Warner, Bobby Kennedy, Kevin Sorbo, Judy Mikovits, David Brownstein, Dr. Jack Wolfson. And Kimberly Overton is going to be there and more. And that's going to be November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, just following the F7 Film Festival, which is, I believe, on the 2nd as well. So check that out. And then we have the Autism Health Summit back. Uh, this is going in way in the future, 2nd and 3rd of February. And as we add more, we'll add it in the upcoming events tab. So always remember to check that out. So now let's do what I couldn't get to yesterday. It's time for the homeopathic hit of the day. The Robert Scott Bell Show, where all the homeopathic hits are happening nonstop every day when he can get to them. <laughs> Today's hit is, as you can see on screen, Apis Mellifica. A-P-I-S. One of the most amazing and uh, kind of, you know, acute interaction remedies that people will, will learn about first, like Arnica, the one of the A's from A to Z. To Z. But uh, Apis is that bee sting remedy that you all know about or should know about. And uh, it is, uh, you know, it's more than bee stings, but that's that's our starting point. Um, it's de- derived from the honeybee and the venom of the honeybee. And it is useful, of course, and indicated, if you think of like, here's like, what happens when you get stung by a bee? Swelling, inflammation, pain, stinging. Scream like oh. a girl. What's that? Scream like a girl. 
I didn't. I, I'll have to open my Materia Medica if, it, if that's one of the indications. That, if you, that's if, one if of them. Super when you get stung fl- by a bee, run yeah. around flailing your arms around, and yes, and it's in looking there. Looking silly. Super yes. Don screaming like a girl is indicated for <laughs> Apis mellifica. <laughs> so the origins, of course, uh, it talks about utilizing the bee. Yes, uh, for those of you who love bees, as I do. Uh, a bee is sacrificed in making it, but the good news is one bee can make enough remedies for millions of people. Talk about efficiency. Now, you know when a bee stings you, they sacrifice their life, so they don't want to, and that's what I've tried to explain to Superdome. But when they do, it's not always pleasant. And there are a lot of folks that are into bee sting therapy. Could Apis mellifica as a homeopathic be helpful there so you don't have to you know, use all these bees and sacrifice them for your bee sting therapy? Apis mellifica, commonly used for swelling, redness, stinging pain, hives, insect bites, and even some types of, some types of arthritis. Now, if you talk about a mental side, because there's all kinds of things that you can go. Remember, this is like your introductory level to these remedies. So you're not overly intimidated and freaking out and going, oh my gosh, I need some gelsemium now. I'm, I'm just freaking out over this stuff. There's a lot of layers and details. So this is what this is for. Thank you, Super Don, for helping make this possible mm-hmm. to give you an easy entryway. And if it's all you want, great. Or if you want to now go further, you have an access point. Mentally, it talks about individuals maybe restless and irritable, often feeling better from cold applications and worse from heat. So that's another thing. Now, we talk about primary uses, skin conditions, most obvious. Hives, insect bites, skin conditions involving redness and swelling. It doesn't have to be from a bee sting. It could be any insect bite. Joint pains. Certain arthritis indicated when you have hot, swollen joints sensitive to the touch. Specifically, and if you ever had gout, Apis could be something to help help you as well as rust toxin ruta, which we've talked about in previous times. Although I don't think we've done ruta yet officially. Now, urinary issues is interesting. Apis for cystitis, urinary tract conditions that involve burning and stinging sensations. And you think about, again, the burning and stinging sensation of a bee sting. It is not identical to the stinging you get if you have a UTI, but it's similar enough. The law of similars encompasses it, and you can consider using APIS for urinary tract issues, infections where the stinging sensation exists. So that's, again, helpful. And we talk about dosages and potencies. Uh, we look at the low attenuations or potencies for acute and repetitive use uh, in terms of even 10x potencies. You could use repetitively until the symptoms are alleviated, ameliorated, or reduced to where you don't need it. Sometimes one dose is enough, uh, but as I said, even hives can be addressed with apis. Now, if you're going into the 200C, 1M and such, I always like to have you consult more on those things. I know some people are comfortable doing that. That's fine. But if you have some severely deep-seated, you know, Gosh, man, it is so intense. I just can't sit, get get a figure on this. And, and you know, if you, you try the lower attenuations or potency, you can go up to the high ones and see what happens. Now, this is a fun little section here when we do these homeopathic hits to give you insight into like, oh, I like this Apis remedy. Uh, I wonder what other remedies might be connected or related to it. So It's kind of like those- pairing a wine with a cheese. Right? <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Homeopathic wine and cheese. Um, and I'm sure that they, we can make remedies from those as well. So the idea is, hey, maybe the apis isn't exactly what you need. Is there anything that might be related? And so you'll see on this list, I've, I've listed three here. Um, natural muriaticum or nat is for short is often used. And we haven't done that, I don't think, fully either yet. Uh, often used after apis for lingering effects of hives or allergic reactions. Pulsatilla 
which is uh, urinary tract indications, especially when symptoms are, are kind of changing as well. And I add this one, leadum. that may not be officially considered connected to it, but think about bug bites and and I could have put in formica rufa, which is ant sting, but leadum I thought would be a good one because you're talking about topical stings, bites. In this case, um, spider bites and puncture wounds, leadum. Uh, so, yeah, if I if I had more time, I was barely able to edit this one, but uh, I would have added formica rufa, which is again ant sting. But uh, for this purpose, I think you've got a lot to go on. Remember, this is for informational purposes only. This is not to take the replace of your chosen doctor or non-doctor. And uh, if you need help, just reach out. And if you have additional questions on all of this, and if you want to say thank you for this wonderful, informative education piece, courtesy of Super Don, uh, then maybe you want to become patron supporters of the Robert Scott Bell Show and join us on the next Zoom AMA, which will be Monday, the 20, what? Of, uh, 25th of September? Yep. Yeah, 7 o'clock Eastern, and that's 4 p.m. Pacific time. We have people joining overseas in the middle of the night too. Um, but we usually do a weeknight, one month, and then a, a, a weekend, like a Saturday day uh, on other, so we can kind of get everybody involved that wants to. So how did I do? A five-minute homeopathic hit? Pretty good? Not bad. Yeah, when I actually have the time and I'm not on a remote, it's easier. That's right. Yeah. So anyway, good thanks stuff. for that, y'all. Yeah. Are we ready to uh, to talk to uh, Ty Bollinger? I think so. An hour or two? It's been, been, been a while. Yeah, I know. By I, the I, way, I'm getting made fun of over on Rumble. Why? Uh, Cetra Spotlight says that uh, only I would scream like a girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are people that scream like girls when they get... You know what? Here, here, The context is important on that because yeah. I've been stung twice in my life. Mm-hmm. Once when I was a kid, and that's when the screaming like a girl took place. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know. It was a couple of years ago. I got stung by something and it wasn't the same as when I was a kid, but um, yeah, it uh, I'll never forget that. I've, I've been scared of, of flying insects ever since <laughs> you ever, you ever yeah. like walk, you're like walking through somewhere and stuff like that. And you don't notice there's a spider web and you walk into a spider web and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's me. Yeah. I, I've, I've moderated by. that kind of reaction over the years. Cause yeah, you used to freak out. I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, right. You know, but, um, the not being afraid of bees, I've told the story about how, you know, I was just like you, you know, afraid they're going to sting me. That's all they want to do. And now I stick my head practically in a hive, you know, I'm like, Oh, this yes. is awesome. Hearing the buzzing. You're nuts. So, uh, Steve has a little typo. He says wounds was misspelled as wounds. Uh, oh, again, on the, on the thing yeah. here. Really? Yeah. This Where's is, that? This Where's is that? let's see here. Yeah, this wounds. can happen. Where's wounds at? Where's wounds? Especially, wo- oh yeah, go down a little bit. It was uh, pun- on uh, Leadum, puncture wounds. That was me doing that, by the way, because I uh-huh. added You're, but, you, you channeled your inner millennial. Well, I mean, the and, thing uh, is, remember, I was doing this like five minutes before showtime yesterday, and we couldn't even get to it because it's, that's the kind of pace it's been. So I'm not surprised. I'm surprised I didn't misspell other things, but that was me. Or not you, Super D. So, yeah, if you can go in and correct that for Steve's sake and my sake, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes, thank I you. Will. I, know. I will. Got to go back and then save it as a PDF again. Cetros so anyway, is, also, kit. is also thrown out. He has an idea here. I don't well to talk about this here, but he's wanted to show, have us do a, uh, a uh, AMA on Rumble. On Rumble? Yeah. A Rumble, ex- what did he say here? An exclusive a rumble exclusive AMA. I don't know how to do that. So we'll have to talk about that. 
Yeah, I don't okay. know. I mean, we could think about it, right? Look, we're open to suggestions. We yeah. are, and including uh, having Ty Bollinger on, but he's right. he's back this hour or next hour. Actually, we're already in the next hour, so I'm going to take a pause and say again, thank you to everybody for supporting this message of health, freedom, and healing liberty. And for those of you who are new that joined us from our brideon.tvn.com simulcast on Monday in support of our friend Jonathan E. Mord for the U.S. Senate in Virginia, you're welcome here anytime. We love having you here. And uh, please do support Jonathan. Go to emord4va.com and uh, make a difference. Tip the Senate back to the Constitution, shall we? And that'll help us all. So with that, take a pause. We'll be back in a moment with Ty Bollinger because the power to heal is yours. All right, we're cranking it up. Get ready to go outside the box with our pal, our buddy, our friend, our family member. That's it. Ty Bollinger is going to be joining us momentarily. Uh, also, as we bring Ty on, I just want to extend uh, my heartfelt condolences uh, to uh, Charlene, who lost her mother recently. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that can replace the loss of a loved one like that. Just, you know, love and prayers and and uh, support from everybody. And, and knowing that she's just fine on the other side. And uh, at the same time, the loss is real. So uh, love to Charlene, Ty, and uh, love to you. Welcome back to the Robert Scott Bell Show, my friend. Don't see you that often because you're just too busy, but uh, it's okay. Here you are now. What's up, RSB? Thanks, man, for the for the heartfelt words. We appreciate it. Been a you know, difficult last couple of weeks since her mom died and went to the funeral. And uh, But yeah, really appreciate that. All right. Well, she's. Uh, I'm sure she's processing through it just like anything time. Uh, over time, but, uh, um, you know, um, yeah. like I said, just make sure she knows we love her and appreciate her. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Yeah. Man. I see you got a new background there, man. That's, uh, it's different than the last time I was on, I was on the show, but, but of course that was probably six weeks ago. <laughs> You've been avoiding me. What have I done? What have I said? Uh, yes, we did a major studio reset and overhaul motivated by, uh, um, well, Jonathan Emord said, I'm, I'm coming to town. We're going to do a, a telethon with Mike Adams and I'm going to be in your studio. I'm like, but I'm not set up for in studio guests. And, uh, you know, the, the, the weird thing is the cancer control society event canceled at the last minute, like with two days to spare. I'm okay. like, what is going on? This is the weirdest thing. And it turned out that weekend was like the weekend. We just trashed the old studio and began to reset. And if that hadn't happened, it wouldn't have been possible. And we got this thing set up and we did three hours, 20 minutes of a, a of a, simulcast with with mike adams on brighty on and everything and it went just amazing amazingly and i have you know the other side of the studio people don't normally see it uh but they could see it with uh uh with jonathan and his wife cheryl were here but it was great and i'm just so honored that we could support his candidacy because it, it means a lot if he gets in the u.s senate what it will mean for all of us yeah for sure that's, that's very cool what, what happened with ccs uh, apparently, uh, one of the, you know, they always had, a, they've been at it for decades, like longer than we've been alive, practically almost, but, uh, yeah. they, he, uh, Frank had worked with the same video crew for years and assumed everything was fine and just found out at the last minute, this is the brief version that the, the main guy was deathly sick. I mean, on death's door and no one knew, and he didn't even tell his crew. And so at the last minute he had to approach the hotel and say, Hey, we don't have a video crew, what it would cost us. And they said the number they gave him would have bankrupted him. And so they just couldn't do it. 
I was like one of those, and I don't know other stories beyond that, but I know that what we did in that time was uh, a window of opportunity I wouldn't have had. So all I can say is in a weird way, these things happen and other things are supposed to. Yeah, that was kind of the same thing that happened to us with a certain hotel here in Nashville that we were going to have our event at. Mm-hmm. They came back with a number that was just astronomical for the amount of money that we had to spend on food and beverage. And it just, we, we couldn't, we would have lost a ton of money on the conference. So, yeah. Yeah. Happens. I, I, and then we went to the uh, Healing for the Ages conference with uh, Brian Artis, Ed Group, and uh, Henry Ely and Jenna Schmidt. And they were like you. And I told everybody, I was like, you know, I can count on one hand the amount of people who were committed to doing it right, like you and Charlene, because you had all the organic food options, right? And they did the same thing with the hotel there in Dallas where we were. I was so impressed. It's like there are people that are committed to doing it right the whole way. And it isn't easy. And, and it's very expensive, as you know. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when we're talking about health and healing in the way we are, and then we send them to eat GMO, you know, a factory farm chicken from the hotel, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the that was a big thing for us was just making be, making sure that we could provide good, clean food. And just, um, you know, uh, it's not it, it just regular food is overly expensive. But then we're trying to get it organic and, you know, farm sourced and, and just outrageously expensive. But um, but hey, don't worry, because apparently the Biden administration tells us that people are better off now than they were four years ago or three years ago. And it's easier to put put, put food on the table. So I guess yeah. that I guess we're just hallucinating when we when we see these increases in prices. Didn't Biden just reclassify some stuff related to the JFK assassination after when they were supposed to release it all in the last few years? I heard that he did, but I didn't see any verification. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. We're talking, what was the year? 1963, uh, right? Or two. When was it? November 11th, 22nd. I'm sorry. Yeah, 1963. Here we are. That would make us 50 years, 60 years later? Yeah. And and, and they're still hiding information or claiming the Warren Commission has any legitimacy in regarding that. You know, issue, and you have Bobby Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., his his yeah. uh, nephew, running for the presidency, and the Democrats want no part of him. In fact, you can still talk to people to this day that watch MSNBC, and they don't even know Bobby Kennedy's running for president. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it's, am- it's amazing that the level of censorship that's still hitting Bobby, they're terrified. You know, when, when Bobby announced that he was going to run, that, that day the Biden administration announced that they would not have any debates. Same day. So, yeah, they are deathly afraid of him. And now he's having to come to a a harsh reality that as much as he wants to, he might not be able to run as a Democrat. And, uh, you know, that changes the equation in another unique way. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I don't know what's what's going to end up happening if he'll run independent or what's going to happen. But, um, yeah, yeah, it's clearly he hasn't left the party. The party's left him. Mm hmm. You know, Bobby said that many times, like the values that he stands for is what the old Democratic Party stood for. The new Democratic Party is just a bunch of woke liberalism. Yeah, progressive Marxists that uh, just basically want to own your children and convert them into anything that they're not. Yeah. Uh, now, Bobby Kennedy has been forthright and candid about his uncle and his father's death. And particularly with his uncle, talked about the CIA's role in it. And of course, uh, our dear departed friend, Liam Sheff wrote about it in uh, official stories. You wrote about this and many other topics in monumental myths. And we have an interesting story. And I know super Don was anxious to get you on to talk about it. 
uh, because apparently one of the the Secret Service agents that I think was on the running board on the motorcade when John F. Kennedy was assassinated uh, is speaking out and saying some things that might not be in the Warren Commission. Yeah, apparently he is. I haven't read the article yet, though, so you're going to have to lead me into this one. Super Don's going to come over to your house and beat you. You understand <laughs> what's going to happen right now? He sent you. The, I gave it the, to you two weeks ago. Softball of softballs, <laughs> Ty Bollinger. And he was like, nah, I can't. Oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm totally ready to discuss the JFK assassination. I just don't know what this guy's perspective is on it. It is a fascinating reveal. I, I will. I will tell you. Okay, so I'll just. I, I because I read the article. Yes. Go ahead. <clears throat> uh, here, here's basically in in in, in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. He's riding on on the the motorcade. He hears the first shot. Uh, he sees that that Kennedy's got his hands up here around his neck, but he thinks that Kennedy's just looking around, like like trying to figure out where the shot. He didn't realize he got shot. So then there's a second shot. He doesn't notice anything different in the motorcade. Third shot, that's the headshot, right? Goes down. He he was actually, this this guy was the guy that was uh, uh, tasked with protecting his wife. Jackie Kennedy. Jackie yeah. Kennedy. Um, so anyway, long story short, uh, they get to the hospital, and he finds a bullet that is in the car, and it's like embedded, like kind of like where the the stuffing of the seat meets the 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 metal of the car, and and everybody's running around doing stuff like that. And he sees it, and he goes, "Hey, that's evidence. I need to make sure that I protect that." So he grabs it, and in the in the chaos, everything's going on. He tosses it in his pocket, and then what happens? He gets over to the to the stretcher, and he decides to take the the bullet because he doesn't want it to get lost, and he puts it on the stretcher that Kennedy is on. Now this bullet is like it's not it's it's the bullet that that it's hasn't pristine. been da- damaged right I mean yeah. you know it's, it's just it's the whole thing yeah he speculates that what happened was that when he put the bullet on the stretcher where on where where President Kennedy was on that in the course of moving those guys around that the bullet ended up on the stretcher of the governor because you know the governor got was the other guy that got shot right in the thing and so they attributed that bullet to the governor and and so in, in any case. He's saying that this is going to challenge the magic bullet theory hmm. uh, because when I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, which I probably am, I'm not as well versed on this as you are, but uh, that they, they, when they found the bullet on the stretcher of the governor, they figured that it, it had fallen out of the governor and that's where the bullet came from. But what he's saying is the bullet actually was in the car. It was not found on the stretcher that the governor was laying on, so it didn't. It wasn't that, that it came from the governor. It originally was found in the car. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks, Super D, too. Yeah, I, okay. I, I read that part about the magic bullet and him finding it and putting it on the stretcher. Okay. And it's that is it is all part of that magic bullet theory. You know that there was three three shots fired. One hit JFK in the head. Um, one hit him in the back, and then there was one that hit Conley. And then but there was one bullet that missed, right? And then they injured a guy named James Teague, I think it was the guy's name. So there's all these wounds, but they had to have the um, one magic bullet that kind of went different directions. Went in into JFK, to, came out of JFK, went into the yeah. governor, went yeah. through the governor's wrist. Changed s- angles. Stopped at the 7-Eleven, got a slushy, yeah. uh, got back yeah. in the car. Yeah. Yeah, that magic <laughs> bullet. Yeah. So, but, you know, and but... 
But the bullet that was found on the stretcher, this does add a twist to that because now he's saying that he was the one that put it there. Yep. That was all part of the the magic bullet theory because this magic bullet somehow popped out of the leg of the governor and deposited itself on the gurney, right? Next to next to him at, at uh, Parkland Memorial Hospital. Right. So, um, yeah, it does add a twist to it. Interesting, though, the... the um, and it, oh, there was also magic leprechauns that day as well. They were apparently they, yeah. were, they were all over Dallas. Yes, uh, because because the a bullet that is has struck someone and has hit bone or anything that's hard in a person's body is not going to be in pristine condition. So those magic leprechauns were hard at work to put this bullet back into pristine condition. Now yes. he he said initially he thought that the bullet was improperly manufactured according to this article. See, I did read a little bit of it. He, okay. he said that he thought the bullet was improperly manufactured and it kind of bounced off of the the coat or instead of going in. So that sounds like he was just trying to grasp at any anything that he could believe mm-hmm. that would make him think that there was not other involvement. You know what I mean? You know, you're kind of like you're, you're convincing yourself that this it must have been a faulty bullet. But anyway, that's you know, that's one of many anomalies to the to the assassination. But it, it is fascinating that. He's coming around now. You know, he, the, he, the guy's older. You wonder how close he is to meeting his maker. I mean, that, that's what happened with E. Howard Hunt, right? So E. Howard Hunt, and I, don't, I can't remember if I, I... It's been a while since I read the chapter that I wrote on Monu, in Monumental Myths on the JFK assassination, but I think I covered E. Howard Hunt, but he was a CIA operative that on his deathbed in 2005, maybe 2004, confessed to his son, St. John Hunt, that the CIA was involved. And he went over details of the assassination. You can still hear the MP3 file, too, the audio files out there. Um, so, you know, this, yeah, they, he's not the only older guy that may be trying to get his conscience clear before he uh, he passes on, which t- guys tend, you know, guys and gals, people tend to do that when they're getting close to uh, their final days. They try to get their conscience clear and they try to maybe tell the truth about things they've lied about in the past. And it's certainly what E. Howard Hunt did um, when he described the CIA involvement. And by the way, E. Howard Hunt, if that name sounds familiar, if you've watched Mission Impossible, the guy's mm-hmm. name is Ethan, Ethan Hunt. Hunt. Yeah, That's where they modeled that character after was E. Howard Hunt, the CIA operative that was there at the Kennedy assassination. Mm. I remember I mentioned this, uh, this, I think it was yesterday, the other day, that uh, back in the 90s, I was digging into all kinds of things and... Uh, we actually got a copy of the Zabruder film from the National Archives because if you were uh, investigative, a journalist, or anything like that, you could request the, the Zabruder mm-hmm. film and they'd send it to you. And we, you know, did analysis frame by frame. At the time, I was doing back in the analog days of video and film production. It was part of, you know, what I enjoyed doing. And we just investigated this and it just, something was weird about the, the way, you know, a couple of frames were missing. And we saw the, uh, uh, believe now it's because it's been so many years since I did this. It was somebody in the front seat or the driver, the passenger, it was of course, secret service turning around. And it was like, it was almost like the frames that were scratched off or a flare came from his hand. Huh. And this was right as he was JFK was thrown backwards, which only makes sense if the shot was coming from the front, that it was so right there that it occurred that it, you know, flew the, you know, the part of the skull, but it was a horrible thing, but that people say, well, that's impossible. That's in front of everybody. Everybody would have seen it, but in the midst of such a uh, chaos and cacophony hide something in plain sight. And then of course the only film that existed of it, you can manipulate that. That was my conclusion in the midst of analyzing the Zabruder film at the time. 
uh, that it was so right there. But it was like it's too shocking to consider that that could have happened in, before everybody's eyes and they wouldn't see it. You know, yeah, and I've seen some some different uh, perspectives on that on on, a, on you know another shot. Certainly, certainly the shot came from the front. Yeah, because right? it, it blew out the back of his head. Right, right, um, and, and it's just like, was it from a grassy knoll or was it right there, almost point blank? Awesome. I, and I remember um, back in the day. This was back in my Atlanta days. Um, uh, my dad was plugged into the Atlanta Hawks basketball team fan club and all that, so we'd go see Hawks games. And he connected with Pete Babcock at the time. Believe it or not, this is an interesting aside. Was a general manager for the Atlanta Hawks professional basketball team at the time. He's a former player, whatever, and uh, he also was. Uh, one of those guys that was just so intrigued with the JFK assassination, he collected memorabilia, he studied on it. So we actually got a meeting with the GM of the Atlanta Hawks at the time, went in with me and my, my, a couple of my film buddies that had analyzed it and presented this to him. So like, oh, that was interesting. So uh, again, it's not like I've not investigated any at all, but this is a different perspective. This guy, this Secret Service agent riding on the board telling this side of the story I hadn't heard before. Yeah, I hadn't heard it either. And interesting, I wonder if, if Secret Service agent Landis here, if he has any perspective on the the other Secret Service agents named Clint Hill and John Reddy mm-hmm. that were called off by the agent in charge. Uh, his name was Emery Roberts. And the, I cover that in Monumental Myths because a, f- a hundred yards before the, 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 the fatal blows were, were unleashed on Kennedy, these agents left the motorcade. They were waved off so they wouldn't be protecting anymore, which is unheard of. Mm-hmm. And they both, you can see in the film, you can still look on YouTube, you can see them, they're, they're lifting their hands going, what, like, what are you telling us to do? And he's like, you know, stop, stop protecting the car. And then the shot comes. So I wonder if Landis knows anything about that. Anyway, it's yeah. interesting because they're all Secret Service agents. That is wild. Absolutely wild. That that And again, that was before we were born. Yeah. Right. It, it apparently, you know, if you look through history, it changed everything. It was like the death of Camelot. They talk about so yeah. many things that occurred that changed the future of the world, much less America. That's why a lot of uh, science fiction type revisionist uh, books and films have been written about what if he had lived, what would have happened kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I find it fascinating. Again, 60 years later, his, his nephew running for the United States presidency uh, and the party that uh, his uncle was a part of uh, wants nothing to do with him. Uh, mm-hmm. which tells you that the Democrat Party as a whole is at least the official side of it. The establishment has uh, only secrets to keep. And and I would say a lot about the, the Republican uh, establishment as well, you know, hi- hides and rides on secrets and they don't want transparency. And I think that's what makes Robert F. Kennedy Jr. a rather unique uh, uh, candidate that uh, he's taken as I believe, you know, risking his own life to run because of what he would do as president mm-hmm. to reveal these secrets and to be transparent. They don't want that. No, they, they don't. Neither side seems to want that. Um, there's secrets on both sides, right? The, the Republicans and the Democrats are all in, in majority. They're all bought and paid for. They're skeletons in the closet. They're all, they're controlled. So Bobby's a fresh, fresh uh, new perspective, I think. And he would be, I think he'd be fantastic president. So we're really hoping that that happens. Um, you know, back to JFK, Mm-hmm. One of the interesting things is the postmortem. So if you look at the autopsy, there was a huge cover-up in the autopsy, right? So the doctors that initially examined uh, JFK's body, specifically his head, they they 
they're under testimony that the back of his head was blown off. Well, then when, when the body gets to back to D.C. for the for the examination there, it's not the, the it's back together. They, his, they put his head back together to where it didn't look like there was missing parts from the back. The, so because that that shows you that if it's if, if the back's blown out, the shot had to have come from the front. But for mm-hmm. the official narrative to be right, the shots come from the back with a book right. depository. So they fixed up the skull before it was officially examined. So there's just so many really conspicuous things that happened that shows that there was there was certainly a cover up, right? Now who was involved with the cover up? It's kind of hard to say exactly who was involved, but there's certainly a cover up because the body was the, the head was was fixed the best they could. And there's many there's several eyewitnesses that saw the initial body, and that then you see pictures later from the autopsy, and they're under testimony saying that's. That's not what his head looked like hmm. when we first saw it. So some something happened between Dallas and D.C., um, which is it's very interesting. You know, another a telltale damning piece of evidence was from the Christchurch Star. Mm-hmm. Um, so we used to live in New Zealand. And one of the things that always screwed us up is the fact that the time zone we, we were. I can't remember if we were. 17 hours ahead of Eastern time or something. Yeah. You were like a day ahead. Most we were, of the we were almost a full day ahead. Yeah. Right. We're right on the cusp, but, but it was, it totally screwed us up, you know, we were on t- time zones and calling back home and just everything because we're so far ahead. Cause like that, that part of the world is, is as far as you can get into the next day mm-hmm. without, or in this day without becoming the day before or whatever it is, <laughs> yeah. it's right on the edge. Right. Yeah. So, um, but here's the deal. So when they, when the Christchurch star, and I did cover this in the book, when the Christchurch star on in their Saturday edition of the paper, JFK was killed on Friday, November 22nd, 1963 in Dallas, which is central time zone. When the Christchurch star Saturday edition of the paper, which is the next day when they carried the news or the, the story about JFK and the assassination, they had a picture of Oswald and it underneath the picture was a caption, something to the effect, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald charged with the assassination of John F. Kennedy, whatever. Mm-hmm. Okay. When that paper was printed and released Saturday morning, you got to subtract 17 hours. It was not yet Friday night in Dallas. And Friday night was when he was charged with the murder. Before that, he was not charged with the assassination of JFK. Oswald was charged with the murder of a J.D. Tippett, which was a Dallas police officer. It was not until Friday night, I think 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. that they then charged him with the murder of JFK. Well, when you add the 17 hours to New Zealand to get to that time, that it hadn't happened yet mm-hmm. when they released the paper, which means that someone there was tipped off mm-hmm. with the fact that Oswald was going to be charged with the murder of JFK. Right. There, before there was he was some, charged with the murder of JFK. There was a plan in place. They yeah. knew where they were going. This is where the, 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 the narrative was going to lead. And I guess they had to have advance warning for the next day for New Zealand, maybe Australia, whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, these are the things that would be tossed off as what? Conspiracy theories by the same or, yeah. rogue organization that orchestrated his assassination. Right. right. Throwing right. you off and like dropping enough weirdness out there that if anybody brought it up again, concept of wearing a tinfoil hat, all of these things were orchestrated to diminish critical thinking right. and investigation 
of the things that largely have become obvious now that the CIA was in de- engaged and involved. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know that anybody has been held to account in 60 plus years now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's not a conspiracy theory to say that on Saturday morning, the Christchurch paper was printed at 10 a.m. That's fact, right? It's not a conspiracy theory to say that Lee Harvey Oswald wasn't charged until 10 p.m. the night before, which is 12 hours before. Right. That's a fact. Then you account for the 17 or 18 hours ahead of time. It shows that they printed it before anybody had announced that he was being charged with a murder. What does that mean? Somebody was tipped off. Right. Does that prove anything? It proves somebody tipped him off. It proves somebody knew ahead of time that he was going to be charged with a murder. Doesn't prove anything other than that. But it, but that, along along with a whole bunch of other questionable facts around the murder, when you when you add them all up, it shows conspiracy that JFK was was killed and there was government involvement, which is exactly what the House Select Committee on Assassinations determined in 1977. They determined the Warren Commission findings were faulty and that there was a conspiracy to commit murder or there was a conspiracy to assassinate the president. And the, that the U.S. government was likely involved. That's that was the House Select Committee on Assassinations. Ten years later, after the Warren Commission. So, um, and, and here's another thing too. You know that the picture of uh, of Oswald that that's just was all over the papers with him with the with the Manlicher Kirkano, right? Which is supposed mm-hmm. to be the weapon that was used. Number one, those are incredibly inaccurate weapons, mm-hmm. right? So if you're a sniper, that you would never choose that. It'd be like trying to, you know, use a 12 gauge to shoot something 300 yards away. It's, it, it's just not the, the weapon of choice, right? Um, the, the original police that discovered a weapon said that it was a, a 7.65 Mauser, not a man like Kirkana. Mm-hmm. That police report was changed after the fact to say it was a man like Kirkana. So it would so it matched the picture that they started putting out in the papers of him holding that gun. But that's not what the original police report didn't say that that was not the gun. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many inconsistencies that, you know, when you when you sum them all up, it's clear that the official story about that assassination is complete nonsense. So when we come back to the book that you wrote, um, Monumental Myths, and there's a lot of alliterations in it. I can never get it right. Can you say it still to this day or do you have to look it up? Because it was pretty comprehensive and the lying liars on and on is monumental myths of the modern medical mafia and the mainstream media and the multitude of lying liars that manufactured them. Nice. It's not that hard, Robert. It's Dude, not that it hard. is well beyond my pay grade to do that. I mean, I can say some stuff, but yeah, know. no, it's a long title. It's a long title. Well, and how many people didn't pay heed to history prior to, or just about the dawn of what became the COVID crazy crisis we lived through had they paid attention and fought through the claims of diminishment of reality by calling them names and conspiracy theories, if we had stood up, how successful would they have been? I don't think very at all, but uh, I guess each successive generation has to rewind the, the fact, like going back to our founding fathers and say, do not believe it if it comes from a government, unless you can independently verify it and, and, and multiple from multiple sources, if you will. And we would like to believe that the people in authority have our best interests and would tell us the truth. But has it become obvious yet that even long before JFK was assassinated, that that was the M.O. of governments and organizations, particularly secretive organizations around the world for time immemorial and that we are naive and we are bred into naivete in terms of programming 
to believe, well, this time they're going to tell the truth and we should believe Anthony Fauci right through this or Deborah Burks or any number of people and all they've said. And, you know, look, love, hate, or be neutral on Trump. He went in there and mucked some stuff up because he started saying, yeah, they, they're lying to you. But then he, he also fell prey or was part of it, depending on whose perspective it was in terms of warp speed. So, you know, all of these things that we'd like to say, is there one honest man somewhere or a woman there somewhere? And uh, all I can say is Jonathan Emord is because I've known him for the, that long. Um, and it's not like it's impossible for it to happen. But uh, much of those who rise through the ranks, you can see who supports them. All of that will tell you a little bit about maybe the agendas behind them. Yeah, for sure. And, I, you know, it, it just always just just nags the crap out of me whenever I see Trump praising Operation Warp Speed still. Yeah, because he's not a dumb man. Right. He's, he's not he's, he's an intelligent dude. He's got to see the carnage. So I just don't understand how he can still. I mean. You'd think at least he'd be quiet about it. Right. You know, if he's like, oh, man, this is those vaccines were not a great deal. I'm not going to talk about it at this point. But he's very vocal in talking about how great Operation Warp Speed, like it was his greatest success. And I just don't get that. I don't understand. I mean. Try to explain to me why why would you do that? Why does he continue? I don't I don't understand that at all. I, I've I've seen some comments where he's actually softening a bit and acknowledging the injuries and, and other things that are occurring, but at the same time, yeah, it would be nice for him to account and go, dude, I screwed the pooch on that one. Uh, and even if you were to say I was lied to, uh clearly, um, but you know, own up a little bit. I mean, that's the thing that would, would regain a lot of uh, uh, trust in, in, you know, if you yeah. believe he was there to, to muck it up and they really don't want him there. Uh, and there's a lot to to say that they don't based on every th- attack that they put on him. And again, er- everything becomes a manipulation to the point where there is no reality anymore. And that's no fun either. You know, where is the, yeah. you know, the human element? And I, and I think, you know, watching what Bobby Kennedy has done and become, uh, I'd be hard pressed to say, he's not motivated by the integrity with which he lived his life and has lived his life for decades. Like he's not just on the scene suddenly saying something out of the blue. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm loving what Bobby's saying, man. Did you see those videos of him a month or two ago when he was out at Venice beach pumping iron? Yes. Uh, Dude, I'm impressed. Although he said he was getting um, or taking, what was it? He was taking not human growth hormone, but, Maybe it was. It was. It was maybe a bioidentical or or something like that. But he's not do doing that. steroids because they were asking him if he was doing steroids. So, okay. Yeah. As I've said, I I've just been doing the nutritional frontiers, um, uh, super creatine, and that's really allowed me to put on muscle weight like I haven't in, in forever. In fact, I hit weights I didn't think I would be able to hit in this lifetime again. And I'm not. I'm still not pumping iron like you, my friend. But. Uh, if I did, it would be something even bigger. But I still just enjoy the high-intensity training and kickboxing with a little bit of lightweight work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy with that. I still am nimble. You know, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, remember those big guys, let, they couldn't move their arms. They got so big. Yeah, and a lot of that's just, a lot of that's show. Yeah. You know, a lot. Of, there's some guys that are so big that they're very not not limber and they can't move well. But a lot of guys just put on the bodybuilder front, you know. They're walking around, and as soon as they spread their last, they walk. You don't have to walk that way, you yeah. know. But some some guys just get into that. But yeah, there are there are certain there's some of the guys that today are they're so big that they probably can't put their arms down. But it's a new phenomenon. There's just so much. There's so many combinations of drugs that are being used today that were just never even known about mm. back when I was competing. Guys today are just so much bigger. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh. All right. What about the bigger uh, event? Could it even be as you talk about uh, the truth about cancer events over the years and you tried to do one this year and, and you, you know, you're finding out it's almost cost prohibitive to do the way you want it to do. I mean, I wish we could have it on, on, on like Joel Salatin's farm and we could just eat what's there on the farm. Right. Uh, but some way to figure it out go, going forward uh, to do another event. I might, have you put it off and said, all right, with enough planning, we could maybe pull it off in the calendar year 2024. What's your thought? Yeah, we're going to try to do it next year. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Um, there's a um, article here at Truth About Cancer. We have linked up in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Seven natural remedies for high blood pressure. Before we even get into that, again, a shout out to John Hewlett and Cardio Miracle. They also support Jonathan Emord, they they donated, supported to the uh, the campaign we just did, the event, the telethon with Mike Adams for three hours on Monday, and uh, many people have reported via sustained nitric oxide production uh, a normalization of blood pressure. Even though it's not a drug to treat it, it's a food to address normal function. But you have uh, seven ways to prevent or reverse high blood pressure. Again, a nice practical little series of tips here for folks. Here's the mm-hmm. article Super Don has. It's in the show notes. You can link to it, read it, and share it. <clears throat> Yeah, you, you know, and this is just seven. There's there's dozens more, but we picked seven. But you know, balanced diet's number one. It's always the key to health is a balanced diet, organic diet. Um, and in that balanced diet, you know, hibiscus tea is is a big natural remedy for high blood pressure. I that's something that um, I learned about over a decade ago, and have told people about that for years and years. Dr. Michael Farley originally shared that with me. And we included that in our book, Work With Your Doctor, that we published over a decade ago. But hibiscus is a great natural plant that is a herb that's, that naturally rem, uh, will remedy high blood pressure. Sodium, of course, too much sodium is going to pump your, your, uh, your blood pressure higher. And, just, and, and we, we put the caveat in here, too much refined sodium. You know, you, Himalayan pink sea salt, good, the, the natural salts. We're talking about the refined iodized table salt that you need to to limit and then of course the foods that have a lot of salt added to them or you would be you would not believe all the sodium that's added to canned foods so you got to really watch the sodium intake um staying active you can see there on the screen number three move we're designed to move so stay move stay moving helps your lymphatic system to uh detoxify and it also can help with your blood pressure maintaining a healthy weight's key there's if you're overweight you're probably gonna have high high blood pressure that's just, they, they go hand in hand. Um, moderate your consumption of alcohol and caffeine. That's number five there, as you can see on the screen. You don't have to necessarily cut it out. You don't have to not drink wine or if you want a beer or whatever, a cup of coffee. But, you know, don't, there, I remember working in an office, Robert. It's been years since I've been in the office, but I remember people in the office that would go through multiple pots of coffee in a day. Yeah. Like that's all they drank was coffee. Amazing. Horrible for you from an acidic perspective, but also really bad for, for blood pressure. It's just really bad for health. And those were the people that were just, they were constant jitters. They, you were like, just settle down because they were always just strung out. It seemed like really bad on your adrenals. Mm -hmm. So um, just, you know, moderation. And then number six on the, on the list here, moderate or manage your stress. That's, you know, that's a difficult one because you can try to manage your stress. But if you're stressed, sometimes it's nothing will really really stop you from being stressed. You know, prayer, meditation, deep breathing can help. 
but sometimes stress is so intense that just nothing works. So that's something that's a little bit more ambiguous, managing your stress, but you really got to try to manage, try to calm yourself down and that'll help with blood pressure. And then number seven, last, but definitely not least, you got to sleep enough. A lot of times people are hypertensive because they're always going and they're never sleeping enough and that, that will cause spikes in blood pressure. So, um, you know, and the, the, the conclusion there, remember Psalm 4, in, in peace I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Mm-hmm. Remember, pray before you go to bed, sleep, and hopefully get, God give you good rest. But that's a great way to help with blood pressure mm-hmm. as well. As I mentioned, there's dozens of other things you can do. Yeah. For, and there's 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 a, a handfuls of herbs that you can use in addition to hibiscus that will help. With sure. And we, we've been covering the, the homeopathic hit of the day and we've covered some remedies that address stress issues and things and anxiety, anxiousness as well. And exercise, of course, uh, you know, for me to, to get in there and, and hit the bag or kick the bag. It's just like, wow, what a catharsis. And I don't even necessarily do it in anger. I mean, I've certainly uh, if you're ever angry and you take it out on an inanimate object you can release some of that energy, uh, but you can utilize it, you know, positively in that way and find out, oh, okay, I just had to unleash that energy. Now I can manage that event that made me angry or I got angry at uh, a little bit better so that you're not operating in an emotional state, which is often a state that could get you into more trouble as opposed to sitting back and a lot less critically think or get, or get spirit to guide me and like, how do I handle this situation? Mm. Yeah, good stuff. I mean, there lot lots of remedies. Nature is the remedy, right? God's mm-hmm. given us remedies in nature. God's given us remedies to stress. God's given us solutions. Um, and I think you know your your mantra, the power to heal is yours. We got to remember that. You know, God's given us the ability to, to self heal. Um, pharma, big medicine, wants to make us believe that we don't have any power to heal heal ourselves. That we need something outside of ourselves. Yeah, that we need chemicals, that we need opioids, that we need whatever it is. I've been watching a documentary on uh, Purdue Pharma, and man, those guys were evil. Those guys were evil. They they just all they cared about was making money, and it didn't. They didn't care what the carnage. They didn't mm-hmm. care about the dead, you know, the overdoses. They did not care. It was just about making money. And unfortunately, that's the entire pharmaceutical industry. Not everyone in it. And you know, not everyone's a bad person that works for pharma. I got a good buddy from college that's a pharma rep, and we talked about that when I went back to Baylor in April yeah. and he was like, man, I know I'm working for the enemy, but uh, he's not a bad person and he's trying to do the best he can to do the, to keep it as clean as he can on the inside. So not everybody's a bad person that works for pharma. I'm not saying that, mm. but those companies are evil and they're, well, they're, they're, they make, they make, it's blood money. They're yeah. making money off the deaths of people. They make money off of disease, death, degeneration, pain, suffering. Um, there's an article at Medical Express that we have linked up in the show notes today at robertscabell.com out of the University of Bath in England, I believe. Uh, self-regulation of farm industry marketing is unsustainable and failing patients, according to new al- analysis. Now, it, it isn't self-regulation when you have a monopoly on promotion. When you have a monopoly in a marketplace over the treatment of disease, uh, there's really self-regulation would be something within a free market of ideas because there's a regulation that happens within the market. If uh, you're deceptive, if you're violating, you know, fundamental tenets in terms of uh, being dishonest, there are things that could could already exist, pre-exist even the FDA in terms of taking care of that if you're concerned about uh, people being unscrupulous. But we have pharma that is unscrupulous by design, by definition. Uh, and, 
you know, this is one of the things Jonathan Emord has spent a lot of time on because he's taken on the regulating uh, agencies and recognizes, of course, regulatory capture, as Bobby Kennedy does mm-hmm. as well. And he's going to go into the U.S. Senate and immediately has legislation ready to go that would completely defang the FDA. Ultimately, he'd like to eliminate it like we all would. But uh, step progression, you know, the, the ground for liberty is gained inch by inch. Uh, that takes out their ability to preemptively strike against freedom of speech. In other words, determine your speech is automatically unlawful or illegal because we don't like it, right? It's not supportive or protective of the industry of drugs that cover that particular thing. And then would immediately allow for the freedom of speech for all of us and all the folks that do make or sell or market dietary supplements to speak openly, honestly about the science they have to back up the claims that they're making. Now, we... We can't do that yet. Even with all the victories Jonathan has had against the FDA, the FDA thumbed its nose at the court, says we don't care. We're never going to let you say what's true about selenium or other things like that, even if it would actually help people because it would harm that which has captured the agencies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, he also proposes that drug regulation or, or let's say drug approval process would go through a blinded study through independent, private, or universities without the drug companies even knowing who's doing the testing. But as I argue, and he agrees, that if we are able to have freedom of speech for all supplements as it comes to health and disease interaction and claims, there would be far less need for any new drugs, which, of course, is the point why the industry doesn't want this to happen. Yeah, of course, that that would certainly curtail the need for new drugs if people would learn more about supplements, Mm -hmm. which are more effective, less harmful and so forth. Um, it's interesting, you know, we've mentioned this in the past that only New Zealand and the USA allow commercials that advertise drugs. Yeah. So, you know, this article about self-regulation, I mean, it's absurd. It's absurd. Some of the commercials that you see for drugs on the television. I mean, I've watched those commercials with Charity and she'll look at me and say, Daddy, why would anybody take that drug? Because, the, you know, the FDA does require them to list all the side effects on the commercials. So they list them and it real quick. And it's like this, like a... Uh, Chipmunk voice, you know, so it's going so fast, you can barely understand all of the side effects. They're reading it so fast, but um, they're required to do that. But, you know, mm-hmm. self-regulation has not worked in the past. No, and, and I know what we're not into massive government intervention in the marketplace when we say this. But in terms of the joke that you point out, it is a joke to say, yeah, well, we're self-regulating. We don't want government. In-. Like, dude, do you understand government granted you this monopoly status? And now you are running roughshod over the freedom of anybody to try and self-regulate, you know, that wants to, hey, you know what? We did this study. Ty, you've referenced it. It's real. It's legit. You're not selling it so you can talk about it. I'm not selling it. I can talk. But th- the moment the company that did the study shows it, they're suddenly now selling and un- or marketing an approved new drug. And they're going to be mm-hmm. shut down. And, you know, I always joke about this, that if a health food store, like I was at uh, uh, a health food store yesterday doing a live remote broadcast, if they put on the lay, you know, where the selenium section is, cures for cancer right here, selenium, the government will find them within 24 hours, despite the fact it took like 10 years to find Osama bin Laden, which people chuckle un- uncomfortably because it means that they think health food stores are terrorists, more evil and dangerous than Osama bin Laden. Again, we won't get into the details on that. But again, it's so absurd when you realize that they will target people who are doing good work and helping people to heal outside of FDA approval before they'll target someone that they claim is the terrorist number one on earth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also in monumental myths, I wrote a chapter on nine 11, bin Laden died in 2001. 
Yeah, like they found him in a cave in Tora Bora on dialysis machine. I know. On dialysis machine, yeah. It's so weird. It's interesting that the, the, the videos that you saw past the, just a couple months after 9-11, the videos of him were someone that looked a little different and had, was left-handed instead of right-handed and so forth. So he's clearly kind of like – we've seen some potential body doubles today. They had body doubles back then too. So Bin, bin Laden definitely – I mean, he was in late-stage Marfan syndrome. He had yeah. Marfan syndrome. His kidneys were failing. And um, no one in recorded medical history has ever lived more than a year at that stage. So that was 2001. And so we were, we're, we're led to believe that he was – what, we, we got him in 2010? Was that, yeah. was that the year? Right. Nah. Yeah, he was surviving he was long, years, long, hiding, hiding in caves with uh, the uh, portable uh, hemodialysis device. That yeah, he had, he had the, the kidney machine he was taking with him from cave to cave. It ran he, on bat guano that they found in the cave. Yeah, just absurd. <laughs> I know. This is, the, this is the stuff we're dealing with, and we're the yeah. ones that are the, the kooky, crazy ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're the, we're the crazy ones for bringing it up. Amazing. Hey, uh, um, I don't know. I can't remember if you've met him. Maybe you met him once real briefly. My friend Bobri, who was from originally from Georgia when it was under control of the Soviet Union and came through Israel and brought the Chernobyl level antioxidant. I mean, they, they had developed the pycnogen, all out of that. But it was like these botanicals that were uh, so needed after Chernobyl to counteract the radiation that they found that it did it. And uh, mm -hmm. he brought that to America. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Bobri, as well, for donating a year's supply for anybody. I don't know if anybody's taking advantage of it. Um, if you would buy that year supply, he would donate 100% of that mm -hmm. amount to Jonathan E. Moore's campaign. And I want to acknowledge that you go to foliumpx.com if, if that deal has not been taken advantage of. And you want to contribute to Jonathan E. Moore, but you also want good stuff for your family, like the stuff that got my mom on the dance floor again at 89. That's the Folium PX. So uh, I just wanted to say and acknowledge that, especially, you know, with your dedication Ty, you know, to address the cancer thing, which started it all with the family members that you lost to the treatment of cancer and all that. Just, I, I like that there's continuing innovation, despite all the crazy stuff going on, on the planet. There are people doing good work, trying to bring good things out and validate them as well. So it's not all bad news out there. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, people are definitely waking up um, in droves. I, I play softball for an old man softball league and we had our games last night. And afterwards, we always get together and say a prayer and, and, and people share things that are on their heart or whatever before mm -hmm. we dismiss there on a softball field. And this one dude got up last night. He said, man, I just want to encourage you to stand up against some of this, this, this tyranny that's going on. These, you know, he said he was talking specifically about they're building a building in downtown Nashville and the restrooms are not men versus women. They're just, they have a triangle on them. So it's like the tra the whole trans agenda is taken over. He's like, man, it's time for us to stand up. He said, he said, unless we all stand up now, they're going to win. We got to, we, it's time to draw a line of sand and stand yeah. up to this. And so, and a, a lot of people agreed. So I, it's, it's happening. I think that we've, we're seeing yeah. a great awakening. We're continuing to see that. So just continue to stand up, speak the truth, do what's right. Even stand if they say, people. you people hate triangles. <laughs> yeah. I'm an anti-triangleite. Right. I yeah. know. Wow. Just incredible. Incredible what's happening. So um, do you, here we are in September the 20th, uh, uh, as we're going live out to the world today in 2023, uh, heading into, I think, October, November. I mean, we're like the, the back half of 2023 here. We know they're going to try and pull more stunts to uh, get people to mask up. I've been hearing the woke Hollywood leftist company. Some of them are already requiring masks again, even though all evidence shows it's just just absolute nonsense. But it's about controlling people. Um, oh, 
you know, I want to, again, maintain that positive outlook that people are not going to fall for it again. Some will, but yeah. I don't know what they could pull off other than I, I've talked to Superdon about this. I'm like, do they need crisis actors to have bleed from the eyes on the streets or would it be a real thing related to the fifth generation wireless cranked up on full blast and then all the people that have had these injections have been injected with things that suddenly act and they do bleed from their eyes would that be enough to frighten people back into compliance i mean i'm speculating here but uh i'd like to think that people can see through this but i don't know yeah you know charlene sent me something about with a bunch of people talking about an emergency broadcast deal on october 4th they're going to send possibly send some kind of uh, signal through the cell phones that could activate some things. So I don't know, man, it's hard to take. It's hard to say. Yeah. Well, what about the, for you, any events coming up in the, in the last quarter of the year, either online or in person? No, I don't think so. Not, not, not going anywhere, not speaking anywhere. Um, just trying to figure out what the next project is. Okay. Um, and also a uh, uh, shout out to our friend Susie Griswold, 10 year anniversary of Healing Strong. We were at the first one in outside of Atlanta. Remember that? That was a, quite an event. Uh, and uh, just, you know, it's, it's amazing uh, to see all that has been accomplished from the time where we were fringe. And now, as you said, it's 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 really gone. I, if I can't say it mainstream fully, it's certainly not fringe like it was before the things you were talking about, things we've been talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's certainly much more mainstream now. I was just thinking about that a couple of days ago, how far we've come in the last 10 years. So really mm-hmm. encouraging. Yep. So the iPhone uh, controversy out of, um, where was it? Uh, France? France. As we're wrapping up here real quick. The unraveling the radiation recall, there's a, a truth about cancer story here about the iPhone 12 apparently was like exceeding radiation exposure levels. And they said, pull it from the market. I don't know if if... If it was all, I, I think it was just that that series twelve or whatever. But uh, uh, man, again, it, I just can't stand people holding this stuff up to their head, whether it's an iPhone twelve or not. Yeah, it, it's it is just a twelve that they recalled. Um, but there's radiation coming from all of them. I, I mean, it's encouraging to see this that the iPhone twelve that they're that they they are concerned about the radiation. But you know, if you're if you've got one, if you if you're having it on your person all day, if, it, if you're carrying your pocket or whatever, women carrying their bra for some reason sometimes, and then their breast cancers pop up there, mm-hmm. at least get a some kind of a safe sleeve or something on it that stops the radiation. There's a whole, there's multiple different countries, that, companies that you can get those from. Mm-hmm. Like on mine, I've got this, it's just a safe sleeve. Yeah, so, we got one of those yeah. links up as well. And yeah. for whatever it's worth, again, I still don't hold it up to my head if I can avoid it. I mean, I never do. it's really short, just in an emergency. But for the most part, I'll use the speakerphone or, you know, the wired kind of things. But I use speakerphone and I'll text, but I I, don't, I, yeah. I just don't hold it up to my head. OK. And, and yeah. uh, any any of updates on your kids? I saw Brianna was doing some kind of music tour through Italy or something. Yeah, we're going to pick her up tonight. She's flying back from Rome tonight. She went to a little town north of Rome with her and four or five other girls from Nashville here that play in a band. Yeah. And they got hired by these people up in that area to go play for a couple of days. They covered all their travel, put them up for a week and got to see the sites. So Dude, like, that is so awesome. Honey, you're doing great. You're getting paid to go play in Italy. Plus they're covering your travel. So good job. <laughs> that is so cool. I yeah. saw, I was like, how did this happen? This is awesome. Yeah. And I still haven't, you know, when the last time I was in Nashville, like we couldn't time it out to see her. I, I can't wait to see her live on. And I just love what the kids are doing. And of course your son, Bryce is in college senior year with, uh, yeah. Is pitching again and he's playing ball. Yeah. 
Tabitha and Charity are deep into dance. Tabitha okay. just got her, her driver's license, believe it or oh not. So she she just took uh, she and Charity to dance by themselves for the first time Monday night. So wow, big step here in the Bollinger household. Dude, awesome. Yeah. Well, good to see you, my friend. We don't see you that often, but uh, you're looking good. And again, love to Charlene, especially on the loss of her mother. And hopefully she's feeling better and feeling the healing and the love people are sending her. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. In the words of Arnold, I'll be back. And the power to heal is yours. Camera hooked up today. Is that the second one? No, that's the first one. I'm confused by where I am. <laughs> see if I can sit down here for a moment. There we are. Which camera am I on? I, I think threw you off there for a second. You know, it's funny because we've had these, bu these both these angles up. Yeah, and we never use the other angle. But in order to be able to use the other angle, you have to you have to uh, turn off your camera mm -hmm. on the first one. Yeah. See, so if you do that, then I, then you lose the audio. No. See, no? look now if you're on this one here, disable this okay. camera, just the camera. Oh, I get it. I know what you're doing. All right, there you I go. So you disable the camera. Now it's okay. There you go. See? I forgot. I forgot that that's how to do it because there you we had go. we had a cha chance to practice. I mean, I can take this down a little bit here now and use. So maybe I'll be better at it. But again, I hardly. It feels like my second or third time broadcasting from this new studio. <laughs> honestly, that's why I'm just so not practiced at it. But uh, yeah, I'll get better at it. <clears throat> um, and. If you guys have suggestions for what to put behind me, the Super Don just kind of did this. We got this little video on loop. It's just kind of basic, but um, I, I'm running it through the, the old Mac Mini that Liam Sheff left to me after he passed. And uh, it still works to do just basic things, even though it's old. But uh, what else to do? I don't know. We could still modify things, but it was amazing on Monday that we pulled that off. And Paul was great when he came through. He had like little tweaks, the eye, what he could see visually, what we tried to put together. And I think it ended up looking pretty decent uh, with the background and everything. Yeah, I was pretty it happy with busy. it. And everybody else, I got uh, a couple of emails from some of the guests that were saying that they appreciated being able to be on and they were happy with it. And oh, it good. Well, yeah, because so, I, yeah. I hadn't, it's like a thing like that, you would normally. What do you do when you when you finish it? You debrief on it, right? You look back and go, "Here's what worked. Here's what did we didn't get." It was like hit the ground running and keep going. And, Pretty much. And so yeah. I haven't really gotten to be able to have any feedback to know how it went. I feel like it went really well, but uh, and and I think people are still donating as as more people uh, discover that that uh, telephone. We do did. we did we get a total yet? I'm just, just out of curiosity. I'm just just curious as to how well we did. Yeah, I don't. I don't have a total. I'll try and okay. dig it up, and we can talk about it, and then maybe bring it out. But yeah. still, uh, please uh, give generously, or even you know, if it's only five bucks that you can give to Jonathan Emord for his campaign, the quarter uh, fundraising is ending soon, and it's important to have that impact. and And he's utilizing it frugally. In fact, um, he was heading to San Diego t today, and he's going to be speaking uh, for Turning Point uh, USA, I believe, down there in San Diego. And thanks to Allison, our super fan, super friend, uh, uh, graciously offering uh, her home overlooking the beach there where we stayed once where she said Super Don could stay if he'd ever get down there. Um, what a beautiful place. And that will save the campaign significant 
significant money. And, and those are the things that you, there are ways to donate in kind, I guess, <clears throat> unofficially, or you can, you know, provide uh, other things, but even just sh sharing, because so many people, even in Virginia still don't know about Jonathan Emort, even though he's definitely leading the ranks of the Republican candidates right now to take on Tim Kaine. And I have all the uh, uh, comfort and confidence in the world that he's going to be there and do that. Uh, the question is, how do you counteract George Soros level money? I think there'll be some some other things that may occur in that regard to uh, help that along the way. But you guys and gals that are supporting him, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks, Mike Adams, again, for hosting that. He didn't have to do that. And um, Dr. Hotsey was great. That third hour he donated and he, he even on the air said, I'm giving a thousand bucks to Jonathan E. Mord, yep. his campaign right there. We didn't know that. That just happened. I, I like it. We had him on as a guest once. Yeah, he's a good guy. Uh, before yeah. that. Yeah, he's fun to talk to. He's, he's a no nonsense guy. <laughs> yeah. Dude, dude. Just straight yeah, talker. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh my goodness. What else is, is happening, my friend? What is going on? Um, yeah, you know, just stuff. Stuff is happening. Today I I noticed on the um well actually there the, uh, I'm watching uh, Gutfeld right now. Okay. On uh Fox. He's talking about uh, Howard Stern. He's in the news. Apparently what, him, uh, him and Howard Bill Stern? Maher have had another falling out. They uh they did, I guess, in the past, and then I don't know if you ever saw it. Do you remember when Stern he he went on Bill Maher's show and they had kind of like a, you know, a, a, a making up type uh, session and stuff? It was a very funny oh, uh, no. interview, but apparently, I guess they've had another falling out, and so they're and and Stern happens to be kind of going in a woke direction, which is so yeah. odd because you would not expect Stern to do that. Yeah, you know, I mean. Uh, I don't Stern, know. Anyway. I, as I said to you, when he went all in on the shot and, and, you know, tried to basically, you know, do yeah. it, it was for me, that's where I lost a lot of respect for him. I appreciate his talent. You know, we come from radio and it doesn't diminish the talent that he has or has, you know, done over the years, even if you right. might, he might not be your cup of tea. Right. I get that. Well, I but mean, he dude, made his when, whole, his whole uh, thing was all about, boobs and I know but the, know, the and, demeanor yeah. that he took on when he took on all the people because yeah. I think he's a Howard Hughes level germaphobe too yeah, he so is. he's he lives in fear yeah. and so it manifests this way I, I guess I can give him uh, a little space there but Bear, I, I Bill Maher speak. actually called him out on the whole uh, uh, using what's it called hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer like yeah, to yeah. 20 times a day type thing yeah no see Maher he's, as much as we have found areas of disagreement with him We've always respected his perspective on big pharma and nutrition and things. He's always been on point there. Yeah. Uh, and I think that he's being quite reasonable about a lot of the wokeness, you know, and the gender issues. Yeah. It's kind of like he didn't lose his critical thinking skills. You know, he, look, we all can come to different conclusions about things and still think critically about it and still come to a disagreeable or disagreement. You know, at the end of the day, I interpreted this way you and we ha, we're not just going off half cocked and woke on it we're just like this i've done my due diligence this is what my perception okay you can but um stern and people like him right now they're not doing critical thinking they just are living in fear and that it's manifesting in just really bizarre ways where you accuse people who you know don't get the shot as killing grandma and grandpa i mean that's the yeah. kind of level that he went to and now he's going yep i'm a woke mfer that's what he said i think yep okay Yep. So anyway, there's that. The other thing, the big news of the day, mm -hmm. if um, if the border situation is something you're concerned about. Yeah, what's happening? 
there was like some major surge today on the border. And what happened was these trains were showing up, going through Mexico, uh-huh. showing up like, like an hour away from the border. And today, 4,000 people got off of a train and they were all, I think, from Venezuela, I think is okay. what they were at. Yeah. And they all like marched across the border and they're in our country now. They just Four, walked right in. 4,000 in one day. And they're showing up in trains. Now, Jonathan is scheduled. Jonathan Ebert is scheduled to go to the border. Yeah. Report there. I don't know when, but, uh, and I don't know which border, uh, you know, is the San Diego area or Texas area? Where was oh, it? Oh, where was it? Yeah, it's Texas. I'm trying to remember where. Eagle Point, Texas. Oh, wow. I think is what it's called. Um, But yeah, I mean, 4,000? Just 4,000 people get off a train and walk across wow. the border. Mm. Uh, and there's not a whole lot. I mean, there's nothing. To, I mean, when you have 4,000 people crossing a border, how do you stop that? Yeah. You can't. Um, it's a problem. It's a big problem. And I think it's interesting how you have people like this Mayor Adams guy mm-hmm. in New York uh, and Hochul yeah. who are, are just like, oh, this is really a problem. Boy, we can't handle this. We need to do something about it. Well, guess what? Je- you know, I can imagine. Could you imagine being uh, like Abbott, uh, Governor Abbott? Yeah. Uh, and going and probably looking at that and going, well, welcome to the club. It took it took you a little while, right? right. We had to yeah. send you some people. You know, as you were sitting there, we're a sanctuary state. Oh, we love immigrants. I can't believe you people are being so, so inhumane down there. You know, these people just want to you know come and have the you know freedom and they they blah blah blah. Okay, well, fine. So suddenly they start showing up on your doorstep and now now it's a problem mm-hmm. now we need to do something about it so I, I can only imagine that people like uh like abbott and uh, desantis right are probably you know doing a victory lap right now because finally now people are paying attention to the problem and not just dismissing these border states mm-hmm. and, and border communities that have been having right. to deal with this for so long <laughs> yeah so a little politics there but uh I think it's it's relevant, especially with uh, with with what um, Emord is doing, because mm-hmm. this is something that's also on his radar. Yeah, very uh, it's much so. It's a problem. I mean, it is a problem. And I think it, this will be a problem for Democrats to defend. I mean, at this point, that's another one of those things. For so long, it's always just been, oh well, you know, the, the plight of the immigrant, and it's not that, you know, it's not that people are having a hard time in other countries. That sucks. It's not like you know we don't care. You know, the, the, the people like, you know, like, like, you know, you and I or, or you more that, you know, saying, hey, listen, we need to have some border policy here, mm-hmm. you know, that makes sense. That does, it's, it's not that we don't care about humans that are, that are having issues, whether it's political, um, you know, persecution or poverty or child, you know, trafficking. You know, yeah, these are all problems. These are all things. But you can't just have just people just walking in. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you don't do that in your house, do you? Exactly. Do you just leave your door open. Yeah. Everybody can walk in and can, you know, make yourself comfortable and, and live in our house. You know, there, there's gotta be, you know, some, some logic, some sensibility as to how that's handled. Not to mention the fact that, you, you know, we have to be kind of careful about who it is that's coming in our border. Right. You know, I mean, the, you can't tell me that there aren't uh, terrorists that are looking at the situation and go, wow. <laughs> Uh, you know, we don't have to worry about trying to sneak in. We can just walk in, you know, and, and, and this kind of thing is happening and it's not just Mexicans. Like that's the other thing that, that blew me away when, 
I, I started really kind of looking into what was going on on the border because a lot of people, I think they have the misconception that, you know, just people from uh, Tijuana just decided they just wanted to come live in, the, in America. Right. I mean, you've got people from all over the world. They found the way Africa in, yeah. and, and, and the Middle East and, and all of these, you know, places, Asia and stuff where it's, it's interesting because what happens is they, they, they get on a boat and they show up, you know, off the, the coast of like South America and then they get off the boat and then they have like these, these, these places, you know, it's like everybody gets together and they make a trek up through South America and, 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 you know, and then into Mexico and then into the United States. It's a long trip, thousands of miles that they take. But, you know, these people that are coming across the border, they're from all over the, the world. It's an international <laughs> yeah. thing that's happening. International there. invasion. At this it is point. really crazy. Really, yeah. really crazy. So I don't What's know. I don't on? know what the answer is going to be. No. Anyway. What's going on? Rumble today or any other uh, Q and A coming up? Cetra. Oh, you know, I, I kind of I missed the 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 opportunity here, but uh, Cetra Spotlight, who's who's uh, one of the very active people in the chat room when when Marge isn't there. Yeah. Which actually Marge is 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 there today as well. Mm-hmm. What did she say? Looking to the side. Looks like a closet. She says, I guess what? You, the, the, you look like you're in a closet? Is what she's saying? You're no, not in a closet. It, it, you're in a it, corner. Yeah, if we do this here, you can see behind me yeah. is a little hallway. That goes up to the behind house. Behind that door is a storage area. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's not a closet. Um, but and then to, it, your, you know, it, to your right there in the, in the, in the second shot, that is the flag time. that used to we used to see in right. the back of the Correct. room. Correct. Yeah, I can I you can know. show you that here. I can just pick that up and show you the flag. See that? Yeah, there it is. Remember yeah. those shots? So there? you're just you're just somebody puts you in the corner. Yeah. Never Nobody put puts a baby in the corner. In the corner. Okay. Right. Uh but anyway, Cetros uh had a had a message for Ty and I didn't I didn't get in time. What was that? We can drop it into Skype form if it's urgent. Ty hates vegans. <laughs> 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 That's hilarious. We never did get into that. Um, well, I but, thought it was triangles, but okay. Yeah, Ty hates vegans. Hmm. Cetras, I believe, is a uh, is a vegan. Ah, okay. We'll forgive you for that. Vegans. Yeah, we'll let you. We'll let you watch anyway. the show anyway. Right. Oh my um, goodness. So anyway, you so you have anything? I know it's midweek, but I'm just thinking. I have a, a weekend coming up where, as far as I know, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't know what commitments I have because it been, feels like I've been gone for a while. But then the next week is the Houston, Texas event. Uh, and that's the Healing Strong event that's sold out. Uh, I will have lots of fun stuff there. And let's see, what else? What do you what do you got going on? Anything? I, I, I feel like I, I like, you know, we catch up a little bit off the air, of course, and prep for the show and check in on how's it going, what's going on. And I feel like, we hadn't had much of that either. Um, personally, I yeah, I don't know. We're just okay, just doing the thing we do here. Do that thing we do in the in the Naylor household. All right. Um, yeah, nothing really spectacular to report. Okay, so it's, uh, it's, any, we're going to have a freeze warning tonight. I no know that. way. Yeah. Oh, that's We're that's supposed too to hit, soon. Hit thirty-two degrees overnight. Are you so going to cover your tomatoes so you can still? I got to find something to throw over the top of the plants. I'd, yeah, for sure. I used uh, before they were huge. Yeah, <laughs> I could go out there and I had like a big king size bed sheet that I could just throw yeah. over there and well, way down the corner. You can get, I think, plastic sheeting would retain some of the heat. 
plastic would work. I just don't have something that big. So we'll put, a, put out an all APB for plastic sheets. Oh, for whatever. I can, I, I can come up with something. Okay. But because uh, I don't want you to stop growing because of one freeze warning, you know. Yeah. Uh, you still got some time, right? I want yeah, to stretch the season. So that's amazing. Yeah. That is amazing. So let's see what else. Anything else I can think of? I don't know, man. I'm just, uh, I don't know. Tomorrow, I got to reach out to, to uh, Jonathan to see if he's available tomorrow for the Sacred Fire of Liberty because he's he's traveling a lot too. And then whatever else we got for Thursday and Friday and then a Sunday conversation and then, you know, on and on it goes. Yep. And maybe I can catch up with some stuff that I still got a lot to do. Sounds good. Yeah. So that's all I've got. So we'll be back tomorrow. We've got... Uh, Tomorrow, we have Kim Witzak mm -hmm. coming on the show. Um, and then maybe Emord. We'll see. Okay. So you let me know on that. Okay. And then uh, what do we got going on on Friday? On Friday, we have got... We're wide open on Friday. Look at that. Nothing. Okay. We got nothing on Friday. Okay. Taking your suggestions. Also, the new studio shots here. You know, we got the, this is the, put, let me put up the main view again. Uh, that's normally coming from that camera. That's our new shot for the most part. Is it, is it bad that you can see, but you know, we did the one where I was like so close up that all you could see was me and the monitor. Is that better? Do you guys like that better? I don't know. And and if you have suggestions for what should be floating around behind me on the screen or what we could use it for, um, like I said, open to suggestions. Okay. Yeah. Because that's just not good enough. Huh? I don't know. I'm asking because I don't know. I'm still <laughs> getting used to it myself. Yeah. Just make an executive decision. It's your show. <laughs> you know, there's some things I have. You know, like, I'm uh, just not going to watch that Robert Scott Bell show anymore because he has a, a, a funny thing in the background. <laughs> it's just too much. I can't handle it. Uh, I'm going to go listen to Kate Daly. Okay. That's Marge. Are you putting words in Marge's mouth? Is that what you're saying? Uh, she's probably already watching it. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, that's all we got. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another homeopathic hit mm -hmm. and the news of the day and maybe some politics. We'll see. I've, I've got I've got a great hour lined up for Emort if he shows up. So Okay. I'll, I'll reach out to him, see what's yeah. up. All right. Well, you guys have a good afternoon. Robert, uh, get get caught up on life. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll see you guys tomorrow. All right.